All right, DJ, what's good? Hey, what's good, Mountain Milk Ball? <laughs> oh, my God. I'm super excited to have you on the show. I'm it's, excited to be here. We've been talking about this for a while now, haven't we? Oh, my goodness. About too long. The podcast. Too long. But it's here now, and it, we're about to get it cracking. We live. So, so, tell me what's good. What's good in your life now? What, what are you focused on right now? I'm focused on a lot of things. That you always Too are. Too many things. Probably should focus it to when I had a conversation with my brother about how he's like, you not just need to focus on one thing for right now. Whether that's passing the bar, jujitsu, trying to start a company, trying to start a clothing line. Um, All those things are super exciting though. So you I, know, how are you going to figure out which one you want to do? Uh, well, because I went to law school for three years and that just took a whole chunk of my life, mm-hmm. I feel... 10 years aged because of it yeah um i'm thinking that i just need to focus on that first pass the bar um and then everything will come you know hopefully shortly thereafter just because i'll have my license and that Mm -hmm. gives you even more credibility than just having a gd Mm -hmm. um so i'm gonna hopefully focus on that and get that done two points away i'm two points away You'll get it. You know you will. It's only uh, a matter yes. of time. Yes. So, so here's a question for you with jujitsu because I know that's a passion for you. Oh. That's not even an option. It doesn't. You can't categorize it and what you want to do. Or that's just you. That's what you do. Jujitsu is life. So how how did you get? What was your first exposure to martial arts? Not just jujitsu, but martial arts. Uh, my first exposure exposure to martial arts was my brother and sister. Mm-hmm. They were in judo when I was. Um, a baby um my mom had them out in troy doing um that for a few years and then she couldn't afford it anymore Mm -hmm. and that's why she never got me into it but um she put me in all these other sports and i still always wanted to get into some type of martial arts Mm -hmm. um the summer after my first year in law school my friend tony who works at the da's office in syracuse he told me that he was a black belt in jujitsu and i'm like what a black belt <laughs> you're 25 he's 25 oh wow that's yeah impressive. That's very impressive. yeah he's like a um child prodigy anytime i talk about him like i just have to plug him he's one of the most technical and just like he's he's great at jujitsu wow um he's like a swan he's like a swan that can kill you um <laughs> but he's like and his, his uh, I know we were talking about passion earlier, his focus and his passion when he zeroes in on something, locks in on something, that's it. He's going to do it and he's going to be the best at it. Wow. And that's it. No questions asked. No questions asked. Um, so when he told me he was, he was teaching the kids classes at jujitsu or at uh, his gym, I, you know, I said I was interested and that I was like, you know, I was probably going to come and just take a look. He was like, yeah, come on down. Um, And I didn't do it right away, but towards the end of the summer after we had all gotten closer, I was like, oh, let me just go see what this is about. And it's kind of like everybody else. After the first class, I was hooked. What was your first class like? Like, what was it like walking into the gym and seeing all those intimidating people? It was, it was kind of intimidating because you're around a lot of new people Mm -hmm. and um, there weren't that many women. There were women over in the kickboxing class, but in the jiu-jitsu class, there were about three. Oh, wow. Um, and it was a big gym. There were about 40 guys, maybe a little less. It That's was a big gym. It was a big class. Um, and I remember 
Tony coming up to me, giving me a hug, telling me, like, he was uh, the assistant to one of the other black belts at the mm-hmm. time. Um, and he was telling me, or the Uki, um, he was just like, he's like, I'm going to work with you, make sure, you know, everything's good. And he kind of just eased me into it, made me feel comfortable. Um, so I guess I didn't have the same hesitation as other women when they don't have anyone. Right. Um, I had somebody who not only did jujitsu for a really long time, but who, you know, was a teacher there or instructor there who was helping ease me into it. Right. Right. Um, and made me love it. So here's the question for you. If you didn't have that person to ease you into it and make you feel as comfortable, do you think you would have went back? So a lot of people like, um, I had brought someone to a jujitsu class and I made the mistake of not going with him again to other classes to make sure that they were comfortable. Mm-hmm. And after that one class I went, they went by themselves and they were super intimidated and never went back. So I'm just wondering if there's that intimidation factor because you were like eased into it, that you had that comfort that you were saying, all right, I can do this because of that. Or you probably would have got scared and said, all right, this enough. I'm out of here by myself. Um, I don't know if I would have left. I... While You're I have a my differently. <laughs> Yeah, just a little bit. Just a little just a little bit. Um I have that kind of personality where I'll make a friend anywhere. That's I'll true. walk up to a stranger on the street, say hi, how you're doing, strike up a conversation and we'll leave as friends. That's true. Um so going there it might have been a little I would have had a little bit more nervousness just mm-hmm. because I am around a lot of guys. I don't know, just a lot of people. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but I would have at least made one friend and it would have given me something to look forward to the next time. Because um, I like to give things a real good try before I decide that it's something that's not for me. That's good. He made it, you know, he made that transition easier. Right. But I think I definitely would have stayed because I, other than, you know, being there because a friend was there, I wanted to learn how to protect myself. And, you know, it just seemed like the most practical way. Wow. That's Wow. A lot, not a lot of people look at it that way, but I guess that's why you are where you are. Like, you know what I mean? Because I remember when I first walked in, I don't really know. Uh, the reason I went back, because I walked into Eddie's, I was super intimidated. Um, the reason I went was because Pat Chart was on me every single day. When we're, come, come check it out, come check it out, come check it out. So I'm like, all right, to get this guy to leave me alone, <laughs> I'm going to go check out this jujitsu he's talking about. When I first walked into the gym, I was super intimidated because... Everybody on the mat looks like they're badasses. Tattoos, bald heads. Exactly. Like. Big, tall, and if they're small, they still look badass for some strange reason. They're yep. just super intimidating. I think a part of it is the confidence there too, right? So when I walked in, I saw that. If Pat, and then I, I started doing it, and I'm like, wait a minute, these little guys are applying so much pressure to my neck, I feel like my head's going to explode. <laughs> I need to learn how to defend myself from these guys. That's why I kept on going. It's is not because, the big guys anymore. No, it's like, if that guy could do that to me in here, imagine what someone else can do to me outside in the streets. And that same class, it was the first time I got put into a, um, a triangle, <laughs> which is terrifying. For all you guys out there that don't know what a triangle is, it's basically when somebody chokes you to death with their legs. <laughs> yep. And when that gets wrapped on you, in the gym, it's scary as hell for the first time. So imagine what that would be like in the streets. Oh, yeah. You'll be doing... Like, there's no tapping. No. You'll be doing... You'll be pulling the wrong ways and making exactly. it tighter. And you'll probably go out even quicker. Exactly. With all that adrenaline pumping and everything. Exactly. So once I experienced <clears throat> that, I'm like, this... There's no... I don't have an option. <laughs> you know, I have to come back here because I have to learn I how to defend myself against these people. So and you're wired differently, too. Yeah. You, but you know what? I think that 
everyone that goes into jujitsu, even if they're they're wired differently, we're all on a certain, we're all searching for something. You yeah. know what I mean? And there wasn't just the aspect of, you know, the little guy choking me out on the streets. It was also how complicated, um, how complicated the technique is. Like yeah. when I first walked, when you first walk in and you look, you don't know what people are doing. You just see a bunch of people rolling around the mat. You're thinking in your head, uh, realistically speaking, I would never be like in a position like that in a fight. You start thinking about all these things and like that's easy. He's pushing there and you, until you get into it, until you start learning the technique and still you, until you start learning that it's really a game of inches mm-hmm. and where to apply pressure, base, weight distribution, leverage. Those are all things that when they're teaching the technique, you're like you're, you're almost amazed. It's like you're learning oh, yeah. a, a magic trick almost. Oh, right. Yeah. And once you start to really look at those intricacies that you're going through when you're training and everything, you get a different appreciation for it. Oh, yeah. It's like you're not only working yourself out physically, but you're also training yourself mentally as well. Oh, yeah. And I picked up on that very, very quickly. And it was a very frustrating aspect of it. <laughs> Lean learning technique is extremely frustrating in the beginning because as a white belt, well, I wouldn't even call myself a white belt back then when I was hey, learning, right? 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 Um, <laughs> you don't even know like the positions of things. Like you oh, don't no. want top mount. What the heck does what's top mount? I just know some grown man is suffocating me and on exactly. top of me, and I don't know what to do. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And but for some strange reason, you don't like it, and you know that if you keep going, that situation won't happen, and that's kind of your motivation yeah. on top of all those things. And to your other thing that you were talking about with the um the little details, yeah. I live for those. I remember when the fat, flashy, like, flying triangles, go-go mm. platas, helicopter chokes, like, um, I remember when those used to excite me. Right. And, like, they're still cool to watch. Right, right. But whenever the instructor, or whatever instructor it may be, teaches you that one little detail, detail. that tweaks the move, and you're just like, it's so true. I've been missing this the whole time. Yeah. This is why I haven't been able to either, you know, lock it up, or I haven't been cutting the angle right. right. I haven't been pinching down on this arm. So Whatever true. it is, you're just like, yes, I got this. Yeah. It's you know, I'm I'm and you're just like, I need to do this. I need to do this now. I need to drill it. I need to make sure I get it because it's so true. you know. And you're literally that excited because you realize how much of a difference it's going to make in your game. It's going to elevate your game. Even like we said, game inches. So even that little tweak that you they come up like you said, cutting the angle or doing this or applying pressure there, it changes changes the whole situation for you. Oh yeah, um, and that's the exciting part. So, how long you've been training now? I've been training for about three years now. Three years, and what belt are you? I'm a one stripe blue belt. So, can you just explain for my audience what the stripes that stripe system is? Um, so the belts go from white, blue, purple, brown, black, mm-hmm. and each belt gets four stripes on your way to the next belt. Okay, all right. Um, is it exciting getting it striped up? It is. It feels like it. It just feels you. You know that you're progressing, right. but then once your instructor kind of solidifies it for you that you are, and you know they see that you're progressing too, it just makes you. You know, it makes it even more important that you right. get even better. Right. Right. Because you're like, okay, I've gotten better since the first time I was here, so I, I you know, I know I'm gonna get better than where I am now. I just got to keep going. It's true. Um, cause I mean, I've never wanted to quit jujitsu, but there have been those times where I'm just like, um, I'm stuck. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't see my, I don't feel like I'm getting any better. I don't see myself getting any better, but in reality, you're just around other people who are getting better at the same time. 
Um, Eddie Five wrote a good article about that. Yeah. And it's a hundred percent true, especially when you go into a school like the school that we train at, Matt Seacourse, where everyone's they're all savages in there. They all want to get better. Matt savages. Oh my gosh. <laughs> they all want to get better. They're all they all have like this insatiable drive to be the best. And you're competing against that. So no matter how hard you're working, they're working just as hard in some cases harder. Yeah. So you're right. Like I I know that there's there was points as a white belt that I'm like, I'm not getting any better whatsoever. I don't know why I'm coming here. Especially those days that you go in to roll and you're in the car and you're getting all fired up. Like, I'm going to tap somebody out today. <laughs> right? You, you, know, you get all fired up and you're yeah. like, oh, I'm going to make a learn today. And then you get in there and you just get, like Matt says, sometimes you're the hammer and sometimes you're the nail. And then you end up being the nail. That's when you walk out of there with your head down. Like, what the heck am I doing? This didn't work. That didn't work. And the whole time it's like you're just being too hard on yourself and you're not giving other people the credibility that they them, deserve. That they deserve. Because yeah. everyone in there... One thing I like most about training at that gym is that everyone in there is determined to get better. And they're also determined to... Help the next person get better. Exactly. And that was something, especially when you're basically... We're basically going in there and trying to choke somebody out or break something, right? Basically. That's what you're trying to do. Dislocated something. Something. <laughs> exactly. So what I thought was super strange was the fact that how dedicated the people that I was rolling with or training with weren't making me better. Yeah. It's something that you wouldn't, like even when I play like um, a, a, a sport in, for football, no one's going to come over to me and be like, all right, this is what you do to get, none of my teammates, the coach will, but none of my teammates are working to make me better. No, nope, they're not watching you. They're watching themselves. Exactly. And with jujitsu, it's the complete opposite. Like everybody is committed and devoted to your, if I'm not, I'm not, and then I can only speak from my experience in my school. Yeah. But everyone's devoted and committed to making you better because they understand the, the mutual benefit of it. Yeah. Which in a sport where you're trying to hurt each other, you think it's like counterintuitive, but it's not. Yeah. Which is. And it's funny. You have to think about. I was uh, thinking about it the other day the amount of trust that's that tremendous. goes into letting somebody take you to the brink of passing out. That's so true. Or to the brink of you know taking home a limb. That's so true. You know? <laughs> You're right. You, you really have to, because they can keep, like, if somebody's, like, malicious or not a good person, they can screw up your career for either ever or very a very long time. That's true. Um, That's very true. And, and you know, you have to be able to trust the people you're rolling with. And right. I, you know, I'm thankful that the gyms that I've gone to, whether that was Tai Kai, Eddie Five Jiu-Jitsu Academy, or, you know, Matt Secor's uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu I've been able to have an extreme amount of trust for the guys that are in a trust in the guys that I'm rolling mm-hmm, with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's just so important. It's huge. It's huge. And I don't think every gym has that. In fact, I know that not every gym has that. One of my friends um, that trains in the city was saying that in his school, um, because it's a city, you have new people coming in all the time. They're different belts, not like the new people coming in or new white belts. It's different belts that are probably just in in the city for a couple days or whatever it may be. And those people come in and they're just coming in to roll with a body. They don't care if they hurt them. They don't care if that person gets better. They don't care if that person never comes back. They don't care if they even see that person again. Yeah. And those type of I think those type of schools, um, they're the ones that kind of give the sport a bad like a bad name. Because that's not really what it's about. I think one of the biggest parts of, um, the best parts of our school is how, if you, I feel like it's family. Mm-hmm. And I feel like when I was promoted to my blue belt, the, the most exciting part of it wasn't 
wasn't the fact that I was getting better, which is strange enough. It was the recognition that you get from everybody else mm-hmm. that solidifies that you're getting better. You know what I mean? Like, that you're, they're, they're proud of you. That you can make a group of people who are once strangers proud. Yeah. And all they're doing is giving you a belt with a different color on it. Yeah. <laughs> and I light up like a kid in high school. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a strange thing, but the sense of accomplishment is, is that's what it is. Yeah. And there's nothing strange. There's really nothing strange about that. Now, do you, what's, what do you think is the biggest difference for being a blue belt versus being a white belt? Cause I've, I've seen a few differences. I've seen people roll a lot harder with me. Um, mm. and I think I have a sense of more accountability. Yeah. That's, I think that naturally comes with it. And I think Professor Secor does an excellent job of instilling that. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. But people are definitely, there's not a target, but there's an expectation, I think. And it's a lot different from being a white belt. Um, but what do you think? You agree or? Um, I would definitely agree. I used to. It's funny that you say people roll harder with you. You with the upper belts, there was always that. I guess you didn't. You, it wasn't clear how much you knew they were better than you. Right. But you didn't know how much better than you they were. That's true. Because let's face it, you're not gonna really learn if they're just smashing you for ten you minutes straight. You might pick up something, but. You're basically their dummy at that point. Yeah. So they have to allow you to work. And they're not going to use 100% of their effort because no. they don't need to. Exactly. They just need to be able to let you work. And, you know, if you're doing something properly, they let you, you know, work on it. And if you're not, then they don't give it to you. Right. Um, but every time I got a stripe when I was a white belt, people started rolling a bit harder with me. And I'm like, what's going did on? Did you man? get better? Or <laughs> were you holding back? Yeah, like, what's true. going on? That's true. That's a good point. It's <laughs> um, a very good point. It it gave you something to look forward to while you're like, oh, I don't know if I want to get smashed today. But you're also like, hey, you know, you feel the need to kick it up a notch. You have to. So that means I'm getting better. Exactly. Because you there wouldn't you have to That's kick so it up cool. if, if if I was still at the same level I That's was when awesome I started. That's I never looked at it like that. Yeah. So, and, and it's always fun to see like, okay, so how can this person... You know, they can't get this on me, but how are they going to transition to get something else or right. bait me into getting something else? That's true. Um, but I do think that one of the bigger differences between white to blue, and only because I've only been a white and a blue, for, at yeah. least for me, is the fact that I'm looking at transitions more. Okay. I'm not looking at just survival. When you're a white belt, you're looking at just survival. survival. That's very true. Now I'm thinking about, I don't always attack. But, you know, I'm looking for it. I'm trying to think three moves ahead. Right. Um, am I always successful? No. No, no but you're <laughs> right. And that's what I realized, too, with the upper belts. You, feel, you realize that they are two steps ahead of you or three steps ahead of you. And if you, have, if you do something, they have two counters to that, that one move. Yep. And sometimes they'll try both of those counters. They'll fail and they'll be on to their next thing while you're still trying to do what you're trying to do. It's, it's so much more of a... Um, a chess match now like even as a blue belt like yeah. you were saying now we're in a position it's more you more than me is that we have to let these lower ranks work you know like you were saying like if they're trying to do something don't just stuff it don't just tap them out let them work let them work on their time just like the upper belts did for us and sometimes it's hard only because you see those opportunities to do but then you're like what's that going to benefit anybody really you know what I mean yeah. you want those upper belts to turn into blue belts turn into purple belts it's hard getting out of that mode. It really is. Because I, you know, I was telling you before, I still feel like a white belt. Right. You know, so I may have gotten my blue belt, what, January? 
I still feel, right. you know, at points like a rag doll, like the nail, like the dummy. Right. I just, you know, I don't always feel like, hey, I'm in a position to, one, let somebody work because I'm still trying That's to right. figure this out. Or B, um, did I say A or, or one? That's fine. <laughs> or B. <laughs> I hope I said A. We'll find out when we go back. <laughs> Whoops! Sorry, y'all. Um, yeah. That was too funny. I gotta get this stuff on video. My facial expression. Like, oh no! They're gonna think I'm illiterate. Oh my god! That is too funny. Um. Oh, what was my point? <laughs> position to let them work right or b um somebody that somebody else can learn from right 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 you know i'm always asking questions you know this more than a lot of people don't look at me like that <laughs> i'm always asking questions because i'm always trying to learn i'm always trying to get better so when somebody asks me questions i'm like er? Yeah. yeah, right. You, you think of... I can help you, and not and not in a uh, an arrogant way, but in a like really just a like flattered way almost. Right? Yeah, like you're really questioning, like, oh, I guess I am someone you can learn from. No, you are. I for do sure. know how this works. I can, you know, I can show you to the best of my ability. Mm-hmm. Now I'm always gonna point you into like, hey, you should probably ask Matt. You should probably <laughs> ask Chris, you're Eddie, right. somebody else other than me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but you're you're definitely right about that, and I think. We don't realize how much we know until you know we are rolling with a, a lower rank, and then you're like, oh, okay, that comes a little easier than that, and that comes. And this, I realize too, when you're rolling with a lower rank, that I'm thinking less, and my body's working. Yeah. Um, but when I roll with higher ranks, my um, my mind gets in the way. I like I mess up my my body. Yeah. I, I stop to make it think, and I'm overthinking. And by the time I do that, I'm in trouble. It's which that. Is kind of strange. It's that baiting thing too, because you're like. I know what this is is not what it is, yeah, and right. if it is what it is, then, then I'm overthinking it, exactly. and I'm still not gonna go for You're it so because right. I'm not sure. And now, you might be baiting me, and I don't want to give that to you. Yeah. But if I just wait here and think about this, then you're just gonna get me. Oh wait, now I'm being choked. <laughs> and it's so true. That's exactly how the thought like, process is. It's very true. Like you can't, and it's funny because I remember them telling me like, you know, you gotta think. You know, mm-hmm. and then other times they're like, "Stop thinking." Stop thinking. And I'm like, "What?" Wait, <laughs> it's how, confusing. What? Yeah, you're right. You're right. What kind of black belt <laughs> magic are you talking about? How do you think and it's not true. think at the same yeah, time? Yeah, you're right. It's it's, but it's a concept that as you're doing it more and more, you begin to realize. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you kind of got to get out of your own way. Yeah. And I realized that I think the thing that I love most about jujitsu is how the concepts that you use in jujitsu to get successful and become better and to progress. You have to use. You can apply them to everyday life. The same oh. concepts. Oh, can it's you? It's <laughs> crazy. It's it's absolutely um, mind blowing. I would never think so. Like even with sports, okay, like track. I was very very competitive in track. There's not much except for working hard that I could say. Okay, this track concept can apply to life. Like, I really can't do that. Right. But with with jujitsu, it's like man, when you go on the mat, like for example, when you. We all get out of work. A lot of people, when they go to work, it's like, that's the hardest thing they're going to do. Getting up on time, going to work, dealing with the boss that they don't like, dealing with the peers that they don't like, and then going home and then rewarding themselves with something that they don't even deserve, but because they survived the day at work, thumbs up. Yeah. 
people like us, we go to work, we survive that fine. Mm-hmm. But that's not the hardest part of our day. Our hardest part of our day is going home, getting our, our equipment, our gear, and driving to a gym filled with, you know, anywhere from 20 to 30 badasses. Yeah. Slapping each other, high five, going on that mat, and then rolling for God knows how much time. Hours, sometimes more. Hours, trying to kill each other. Yeah. And not giving up. And sometimes if you get tapped, the worst thing about being getting tapped is that <laughs> you, this doesn't mean the round's over. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta keep going. Yeah, I remember... <laughs> And you learn a lot about people when you're on the mat too, because I was the type of person when um when I was training at Eddie's, if you tap me, I kind of gave up for the rest of the mat. The mat. Mm. And I re- I realized like that's a that's a that's a flaw not only on if you're jujitsu but it's real life, you know. Because as I started progressing, I realized all right, the tap doesn't mean as much as I think it does. Yeah. And I realized now when I roll and I get tapped, it kind of it kind of motivates me because it gives me something to work on. Before I was looking at it like oh you just got beat. Uh, what and then you just dwell oh on God, that you beat. Suck. It's true. Even though you're not thinking about all those transitions, you might have been exactly. very doing very flawlessly. It's maybe, so true. maybe not flawlessly yeah. at this level, but right. just very good transitions or yeah. just those like your movements. You don't focus on that. You just focus on the tap. And that's another thing I remember Matt was talking about. He was like, maybe you didn't get the tap, but maybe you got a whole bunch of transitions you weren't thinking about. It's so true. It's all about how you look at things. And I used to uh, same thing with work, like. If I was on a big job with sales and I like, I didn't get the sale, I would it would ruin all my other sales because I would just be focusing on the one that I lost, mm-hmm. dwelling on that. And now I realize I'm like, all right, that's just one sale. There's 15 more to go. Let's rock, you know? Yeah. Oh, I was talking to my sister about that the other day. What? Because um, it had to do with like me failing the bar. Um, just how it doesn't matter how many successes you have, how many times your hands raised, how many times you win something. Mm-hmm. Um it's such a fleeting feeling. It feels so good in that moment and you kind of try to hold on to it. Yeah. And sometimes you think about it and you get giddy again, yeah. but it never feels as good as that first time you were you won or you got you were successful. But when you lose, you feel that shit forever. It's bad. It's you bad. like it comes up 3 years later like, "Remember that time you lost? Do you want do you want that to happen again?" You, you know what though? Here's a question. Do you think everyone's wired that way? I don't think everyone's wired that way, but I do think people kind of focus on the bad more than the good. That's true. And I think that, I think more, more good can come from the bad. It can, because that's what pushes you. I don't want to, I don't ever want to feel that way again. Exactly. Like I'll tell you my first year in law school, I almost failed out. Wow. Yeah. And it wasn't because I, that was the hardest I'd ever worked in my life. That first year of law school. Oh my God. Think about doing one um, think about doing one year of college. That was one class in law school. Now multiply that by five classes that you're taking. Wow. And every single one of those classes is dependent on one grade. Are you serious? Your, your final exam. It doesn't matter how many times you showed up. Those, those, those can impact your grade negatively. They can't impact it positively. So if you fail that final exam and in your first year of law school, somebody's got to get an F. If you fail that final exam... You failed that class, no matter how much reading, briefing, and work you did. It just seems like in that, when you talk about that career path, it just seems there's a lot of barriers to entry for that. Dude, are there? And it's like they're they're purposely set up. It's like someone's gone and put these barriers here, put one right here, how about college or this bar exam? Great Wall after China after Great Wall after China. Why is that? Is Is it so 
they can it's they I don't know it's just only the best of the best of the best of the best get into it or what is it the worst part is like you have incompetent lawyers. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> so it's that not the best of the best. No, so... The, the best are the people who I saw struggle, you know, because mm-hmm. their minds are wired differently. They think differently. They don't have that follow this, you know, certain steps to yeah. pass this exam. Mm-hmm. Like, I studied... I don't even know how many hours I studied tonight. I don't even want to think about it. My first year of law school, because you're figuring it out. This is something yeah. new. You, you just got to do it. Um, but I remember memorizing for one class alone, 125 cases, the facts, the rule, and the issue. Yep. 125 cases just for that class alone. And I think that was just a section of the class, 125 cases. I'll never forget that number. And actually the next year I had to memorize 151. So that's insane. Yep. (laughs) Um, but that's just for one class. That one class I memorized that 125 cases for, I got a D. And the professor even thought I was going to get an A. But it was because I focused so much on... We had intentional torts in the beginning of the year, and then we had negligence at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. Because negligence was the last thing we focused on, that's what my mentality was for the exam. So when I was issue spotting, I saw a whole bunch of negligence everywhere, even though there wasn't negligence. I got it. Um... And the intentional torts, I while I outlined them on my exam, I didn't really expand upon them because I wanted to make sure I got to the negligence. And I, because I, I had all those cases in my head, I was like, Brrr. yeah, right, 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 right. Um, right. so he was like, where I gave everybody else forty points, I could only give you two. And oh, I was wow, like, that's devastating. And I, and the same thing happened for my civil procedure, um, exam. I got two Ds and two Bs that semester, so I ended up with like a one nine. Mm-hmm. The next semester, I was like, oh, I got to switch things up. I um, learned to study smarter, not harder, which is a real thing. If you can do that, study smarter, never harder. How did you do that? Uh, I went to office office hours. Okay. Um, I met with my teachers. I did essay questions, which were basically what you were going to be doing on the exam. Mm -hmm. I just did those. I just did those problems. I asked people for um, to go over them with me. I asked to do them with other people. Um, and then when the end of the year came, I did, uh, I took my exams and I was like, well, this is it. Cause you have to have a two, two. I had a one nine. You have oh, to have a two, two to stay in. If you have a two, one, you get to appeal. I ended up getting a two, three cause I got a three oh for the next semester. Wow. Three, two, a- something like that. That's exciting, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I didn't, I didn't have to appeal my grade and I was able to just. You know, how do those appeals usually go? Um, I think you have to write something to the student to student life, and then they have to go over whether or not they really want to keep you. Oh my god, so that's a pain, that's a painful, stressful situation right there. And I was like, I don't know what I'm gonna do if I'm not in Mm -hmm. law school because, like, my undergrad degree, I didn't really feel like I could do much with it, right? Um, so I got that two, three, and I was like, and I realized it wasn't because I was studying any harder, and in reality, I wasn't. I was just doing things better. Right. Um, and I kind of forgot why I told you that story. <laughs> <laughs> well, it crosses over into, oh. it crosses over into jiu-jitsu, jiu-jitsu with, with training because I realized that too with my training, like um, wasting energy. Like a lot of the stuff, when I would go into class, I didn't have any kind of direction. Mm-hmm. So I was, I, I guess I'm trying to say, like I 
trained smarter in a sense when I went in I'm like this is what I'm working on mm-hmm. this is what I'm focusing on as opposed to just going in and rolling with whoever I wanted to roll with it just gave me more direction oh, yeah. you know what I mean and then at the end I could kind of grade myself on okay, mm-hmm. how did you perform I think the biggest gains with you going back on you saying just working smarter not harder was when I was actually journaling with my, my roles for jujitsu. Mm-hmm. so when I was at Eddie's I would bring the notepad up with me and I would write down if I had any injuries I would write down what was the technique that we went over. Um, then I would go over who I rolled with, how they felt. Did they tap me? Did I tap them? Things mm-hmm. I need to work on. And I would literally write every day after class. And then before I went to class, I would read it. Mm-hmm. But that, that workflow just takes up a lot of time. Yeah. But the value that I got from it was tremendous. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I started doing that because I wasn't, I didn't do well the first month I was there. I wasn't retaining anything. I was, I was super intimidated by the, the, the jargon that they were using. And by how fast other people have seemed to be progressing. But but once I took a smarter approach towards it and just kind of really zeroed in on what I was trying to, to accomplish, mm-hmm. then it was a completely different, completely different ballgame. Oh, you know? yeah. It just completely oh, changed yeah. everything for me. And I would say that my, through all the competitions I've competed in, because I've competed in, I believe, six now. Wow. And I've lost three. I, yeah, I competed in six, lost three, and then, like, from failing the bar, what, three times now, right. first by 37 points, then by nine, then by two. Then by two, getting closer, closer. Getting closer, closer. trying to. <laughs> um, I realized that nothing is going to stop me, and whatever does stop me, if there is anything that can stop me on this earth, it's not going to be the feel of fear of failure, and right. it's not going to be my impatience. Because just throughout this journey, I've had to take loss after loss after loss. Um, and it sucks and it stings and it's always there in the back of your mind. Like, what if this happens again? But, you know, as cliche as it is, there have been other people who've been in this position where they've, you know, took, taken failure after failure after failure. But they kept going. Right. It's like that little picture where it's two guys going in a mine mm-hmm. and one is just so close to the diamonds and then he turns around right. because he never thinks he's going to get there. So but he, was, he just had to, you know, hack it one more time. And show me what I got. Yeah. And I don't want to be that person. I don't want to get to the end of my life and ask what if. That's so true. I've had, you know, older people talk to me and tell me, you know, you know, if I was younger, I would have or there are so many things in my life I didn't get to do. You don't want to be that person. No, I need to do. I want to everything that I put on my plate. I want to at least attempt it. Um, to say that I tried and I gave it my best because we only have this one life. That's it. Um, so I don't mind like you know trying everything once, going everywhere once, except for North Korea. <laughs> I wouldn't go to North Korea. <laughs> um, <laughs> I agree. Um, I agree with you. <laughs> um, but, you know, they're, I probably wouldn't eat spiders either. <laughs> um, but, you know, they're just... I often, if I can make it happen, I will seldom say no to a new experience or a new adventure. Does um, training jujitsu have anything to do with that? Being uncomfortable and... I mean, being comfortable in uncomfortable situations. Oh, yes. Um, I forgot which Gracie said it, but it kind of became my favorite quote after my friend Tony, who I'd spoken about earlier, mm-hmm. um, told it to me. And it's, uh, I believe it goes, 
um, learn to be comfortable in worst case scenarios because once they become um, once you become comfortable they cease to exist wow that's really powerful yeah and it's like <laughs> yeah and you're you're underneath a grown adult it's man so woman it's so they're trying true. to choke you out they're trying to kill you and the only thing that's stopping them is either their moral compass or that ref that's or so maybe true. the fact that you're better than them. That's it. You know? That's it. So if, I, if, if, if fighting for your survival, your health, your life to an extent isn't one of the purest forms of being a human, you know, I don't know what is. And yeah. if you can do that, what can't you do? What can't you do? And that's, <laughs> that's really what I realized too. I remember, um, I remember uh, Secor saying to me, sometimes when you're... Jiu-jitsu is not about winning. It's about surviving. And sometimes in a situation, you have someone that you're not going to be able to beat, but you're going to be able to stay safe until the situation changes. Maybe yeah. someone called for help. Maybe the person gets tired, whatever. And there was there was a point um, I was rolling with. I forget who I was rolling with. Though. It was a, a purple belt. And he had me pinned. And I couldn't move. And he was beginning to apply a choke. And I was like, Oh it's a Chad, God. he's real good at. It. He's he's got a lot of strength. He's Super, just, he's so you, good. <laughs> you don't even think of when you, I think it was Chad. And the thing was is that you don't, you look at him and you size him up and you're like, all right, I can take him. I Not really, this. but you're just. I like, got that. Yeah. He doesn't look that intimidating. No, but his technique is so on point, and he moves in such a his his movement is just like you can't stop that guy's movement. You really can't. You can slow him down, but you're not going to stop him. And oh, it's, a smidge. You can slow him down a smidge. Yeah, and the thing is with him is like when he when he realize that you're trying to stop him he goes twice as hard you know he won't go the other direction he goes twice as hard to prevent you from stopping his movement so i remember once like you said white belt's about survival i'm like i'm not i'm not gonna submit and it wasn't one of these things that where it was like you're gonna fight through it you're just like no i'm just not gonna i'm not i'm gonna stay in this for as long as i can if i have to tap i'm gonna tap but i remember looking up at the clock and there were like 12 seconds it was the longest 12 seconds of my life and i just sat down like Find that space and just relax. Find that space and just relax. Find that space and breathe. Find that space and breathe. And I did it and I survived. And after he was like, damn, I, I can't believe you survived that. You know? And But it's the same thing with life. Because I've been in situations before, in situations where I'm like, you know what? I don't know how the hell I'm going to get out of this. And you start thinking and your mind makes the situation way bigger than it is. Mm-hmm. And before, the, the, the more I advance through jujitsu, the more when I get into those situations, I can stop myself from overthinking the situation. I breathe, which allows me to calm myself down and get the right perspective of what's going on. And I just persevere through the situation. Um, I just, but I don't just jump and react yeah. and try to, before that's how I was. And I think. That's how you get hurt. That's how you get hurt for one. That's how I did get hurt. But that's how you get hurt in reality in life too. Like if someone comes up to you and says some bold, stupid racial slur or whatever it is, and you just react right up. A lot of things can go wrong there. Oh, yeah. A lot of things. But if you just oh. take a second back, you try to figure out what's really, really going on here. Um, can I talk to this person out of this, this situation? And you just really start to evaluate. You see that what, why they're doing what they're doing and whatever it is. Verbal jujitsu. That's verbal jujitsu. Like you said, that, <laughs> that verbal jujitsu. It's true. It's, it it's really definitely is. true. Talking people down. Because, I mean, if you don't have to fight. Don't. And you know what, too, is you would think that the more able you are to defend yourself and the more capable you are to fight, be more of a jerk but it humbles you because you also realize there's people out there that could do some serious damage to me you know what i mean yeah. so you just take your approach is just different 
I feel like I'm more zen. Do you feel that way too with the doing jujitsu? Oh yeah. You just for some that's it's like the, that silent confidence that you have that if something goes down, more than likely I'll be good. You know. Yeah. And I would say that's one thing that um, and I I guess I have to say that law school and jujitsu gave it to me simultaneously. Mm-hmm. I think jujitsu helped me hold on to it and then foster it even more. Uh, just confidence because I was never I was always the type of person where it was like fake it till you make it Mm -hmm. so a lot of people thought I was confident I guess I gave off and you you know I exuded confidence but I didn't feel it or I just wasn't thinking about it right that's true Um, and then law school that breaks you down because you're they're constant like you're just constantly failing at every twist and turn Mm -hmm. people you don't know whether you can always trust people because you know everybody like it's an adversarial environment you have your you know i have my best friends from law school that you know i wouldn't trade from uh the world and they helped me get through everything Everything, um but but there is that competitive edge there it's the same thing with business school there's always that competitive edge and the person you sit next to is competition yep yeah most of and you can't let your guard down you can't um but with jujitsu you know you have people encouraging you that's true um all the time and you just learn that, hey, if I can protect myself, what can really hurt me? Exactly. And that a lot of things just don't matter. That's very true, too. Um, whether it's what people think about you, what people are saying about you, you know, it's just as long as you have your core group of people and you did too. <laughs> it's true. It's you 100%. Don't, yeah, you know, it's so it's, true. There's been so many days where I've been at work, I had a tough day at work, and get into an argument with my wife, and I'm arguing with a friend. Then you go to jujitsu, right? Yeah, everyone has those <laughs> days, right? <laughs> you have those days. And a friend. And a friend, right? Double whammy. Double whammy. You know what it is, right? But then you go to jujitsu, and the only thing I want to do is not go home and sleep, not go home and drink, not go. I want to go and get on the mat and mm-hmm. sweat it out, work it out. And it, you'd be surprised. It's very difficult to be pissed off when you're exhausted. For one, but you can come to some very shocking conclusions about yourself when you're on that damn mat. Oh yeah, you know what like I mean? they say, the mat doesn't lie. You it can doesn't. lie anywhere else, but you cannot, cannot lie, lie on the mat. mat. It's a hundred percent true, and um, I look, I look forward to those days where I'm like, all right, I just need to go and just roll for like two hours and get all of this out of my system. Mm-hmm. And honestly, when I go and I do that, it's out of my system. You don't. You don't want to continue arguing. You're too damn tired to argue. So you go home and you make up. You call your friend like, hey, uh, you're right. I'm a loser. What's good? We're going to do one. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so, so what we got on the plan for this Yeah, weekend? you know what I mean? Um, but let's get back to that. You were, that's a very good point that you brought up. You can't you can't lie on the mat. That's so true. When you can lay down on the mat. You can lay down on it. <laughs> but when you, it, it, you really find out the character of somebody when you're rolling with them. And you really find out the character of yourself while you're rolling. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with that? Oh, of course. Like, I realize that I do let things get to me that I'm not always honest about mm-hmm. getting to me. Oh, okay. Like, if I feel somebody shouldn't have tapped me out, which, you know, you're going to get tapped. It's going to happen. Yeah, you know, point. you can get tapped point. under any circumstance. So true. But when it happens, you're still like, mm, mother it's, it's so true. <laughs> it's so true. Um, and then when people tell you they're gunning for you. That's a whole different ball game, too. Yeah, like it just comes with because I, you know, sometimes being a girl in jujitsu is like a double edged sword. <laughs> That's true. Um, people either think you're there to get a boyfriend or a husband, or they think you suck at jujitsu, and they're like, 
a girl or they have to prove that they can beat you because you're just a girl. See, that's another thing. That's another aspect I didn't even think about. It's true, though. You're 100%. But you they can meet feel you and it's the wrong person. <laughs> I mean, I did one of my competitions. I grappled against two guys because um, they didn't have any girls in my weight class because wow. we don't have that many women in jujitsu. We have a good amount, but, you know, significantly mm-hmm. uh, smaller numbers than men. That's why we only get, like, five weight classes. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. Um, so, one of the tournaments that I was a part of, they allowed me to go against guys. And my coach was, he was like, I don't think you should do it. He's like, I don't want you to get hurt. Like, he was so nervous for me. Wow, how come you weren't nervous? Um, I wanted to compete. Wow. I wanted to compete. It didn't even, it didn't even occur to me that I could get injured. Because I was thinking to myself, I was like, I came here, I paid, I want to grapple. I want to grapple. I'll grapple, guys. I'll grapple anybody. I don't care. That's I just want to grapple. I grapple, guys, every single day. That's true. Maybe not in a competition setting, which it is different. It is a lot um, different. <laughs> it's a completely different ballgame. Oh, yes. Um, but I got on that mat, and I lost both matches. The first one, he got me in a trying a belly-down armbar. Oh, wow. Triangle into a belly down arm bar. So he he didn't he, wow. He Dude, was he had hard. me in mount and he was uh taking his forearm and just putting it across my face. Like he was he was holding no prisoners. No prisoners. Like he was so rough. I mean, it's jujitsu. It You're is gonna be jiu-jitsu. rough. You know, exactly. I'm not gonna complain. Like right. but he was like, I'm not losing to a girl. Yeah, it's not yeah. happening. It's so true. It's so <laughs> um, true though, right? The second guy, he went he won. He beat me on points, three to zero. Um, well, what 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 sucks most, losing by points or being tapped? I think I want to say tap, but when I think about points, it's almost like points are so annoying because that's like, what it, it really is. It's like who knows the rules better. It's not about who's, yeah. And I think that's why Gracie kind of wants to go to the whole no uh, submission only. Mm-hmm. You know. the, the the psyche thing is like submission only you have an opportunity to stall in points you your mindset might not be sports oriented so the whole time you're thinking about how can I move myself to get the submission that I'm going for how can I set up this sub That's true. so you might put yourself in bad situations to get that. just to get out into the position you need for that sub or to bait somebody That's true. um like look at look at Matt how like one time you know he let somebody uh, mount him but then he escaped the mount and caught the um he got the heel hook right yep so you know letting somebody mount you that's, that's four points. points that's exactly right but you just got the sub yeah but it depends on how much time you have and all because in four things. minutes you might not be able to do, do that in a that. competition so true um so it's you know there are there are good things and bad things about both um i never like being tapped <laughs> no I, um no one does but it's a part of the game and it only helps you push yourself to the next level yeah and uh it was a good experience going against guys but you know to anybody who thinks that there's no physical difference between women and men when you compete there is Yes. Um, yes. There is a significant difference. Whenever I grappled a woman, the next day I woke up, I felt a little sore. I was good. I was not, you know, I wasn't rocking trying to get out of bed. I wasn't contemplating my life the next day. 
Um, <laughs> when I woke up, I thought somebody put my spine through a grater. <laughs> wow, that's like, that much of a difference. Wow. When I grappled, guys, I, like I was fine that day. The next day I woke up, my everything hurt really badly. Like it was painful. I'd never felt that pain before. Wow. Um, but I mean. I was at that time I was like 189 so you're grappling guys who are 189 but mostly muscle not fat right um so being hit with solid muscle and laid on solid muscle it's in a, a competition thing. setting yeah it's like uh do I want to do this again I mean I would do it again you would I know you <laughs> you would you would but it's not my you know first uh option right um you, you actually were one of the main reasons why I actually competed at that tournament yeah, because so it was your it's your mental approach towards it. It was um, see you said that you weren't even worried about getting injured. That was one of the first things that I was thinking about getting injured. Mm-hmm. So I was worried about that. Second, I was always just thinking to myself, I'm not prepared. I'm not prepared. I'm not prepared. But when you started telling me about looking at it like an extension of my training, it really warped. Like you know, I really if I look at it that way, uh, it's not that it's not that serious. And when I went to competition, I was glad that I did it because it is an extension of your training and it lets you know really where you are. You know, when you're rolling with people, the same people on a regular basis, you pick up their tendencies, you um, you start to make these false assumptions like, oh, I'm better than this person today, so I'm getting better overall. That's not the case, you know? When you go to competition and there's a stranger sitting across from you, you've never seen his technique, he's never seen your technique, and you grab each other, you're like, He's oh, gunning for you. He's gunning for you, so... <laughs> it's not like no. we're, you know, it's not like we're friends in the academy. It's a whole different I'm story. I'm trying to take your head off it's any way whole, I can. It's, I think, when we roll, we all go 100%, I feel. Like, the, when I say 100%, when you're going to put someone in submission, you don't slam into it or yank into it. Yeah. You can ease your into it. That's the difference. In competition, you're going 100% plus, you have the adrenaline, nerves... And on top of that, when you do get into it, you're yanking or pulling whatever you can. Yeah. It's a completely, it's completely And you're going to let thing. that sub go, like if they get you in a dangerous position, you're going to let it go longer. Most definitely. Because you're like, this is competition. Exactly. I definitely can't, you so know, So the element of injury is, is a lot higher. Oh, yeah. And none of these, I don't think I've ever gone to, and I haven't been to a lot, I've only been to two, but the ones that I've seen, the whole weight class game. Sometimes you're gonna be put in that weight class that's way higher than you. Because they ain't got, they don't they have, have anyone filling out for the brackets. You. And if it's a matter like you said, I, I came here to compete. I paid the money. You did the three months worth of training. You know what I mean? That yeah. date has been in your mind. You've been preparing for it. And even like they're they're like, I'll give you your money back. No, I don't. I, I don't I've want. been I've been training for this. For this exactly. Like I don't understand how. Uh, just like a side topic, I don't understand how MMA fighters do that. It's how do you get to the? How do you get to your fight? You've been in a camp for anywhere from four to six to eight weeks, maybe more. Mm-hmm. Training, killing yourself, hopefully killing yourself yeah. because you want to, you know, be the best. Um, but you've been doing everything. Like your diet has changed immensely. You have been putting your body through, you know, the ringer. It's true. And then you get up to fight day, and then all of a sudden you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. What? No, uh-uh. How, you said you wanted to fight. It's fight. Crazy. <laughs> like, it's, this is this is either a yes or a no. Do you want to fight or do you not want to fight? One thing that I like about jujitsu is that I appreciate MMA way more now because me even getting into um, stepping onto that mat, there's no cage, there's nothing locking, there's no punching. That's terrifying. There's no just, kicking. There's no kicking. And, 
Oh, when you're on that kick. ground and someone's on top of you, that's terrifying enough, right? Mm-hmm. But when they're punching, they're kicking, and they can do all this grappling stuff with you, that's got to be terrifying. Yo, let me tell you, there's no... I've never felt as tired because, um, like, I wanted to, too. And I might I might still take a fight just to say that I did because, you know, I just want, I've always wanted to get in the cage once, at least once. I don't want to be a fighter, but What's I want to get drive? in the cage. What's that drive to get in the cage? Why, where do you think that comes from? You're I just, just want to do it. Yeah, I just want to see what, you know, what it's like. Um, and I did... Uh, I would do MMA sparring. There is no... And maybe it's because I'm fighting bigger guys, but, you know, getting punched in your face, punched in your body, kicked in your body, um, and then possibly getting taken down, mm-hmm. having to do jujitsu with right. shin guards or not, or gloves on, definitely. And then getting back up, getting back up to do that again, you are gassed. That's why... Gassed to the max. And then try doing that three to five rounds, five minutes apiece. <sighs> Dude. People don't understand. That's why... <laughs> I mean, I try to block out the crowd when you're when you're at these events and you're watching and people are yelling these stupid comments. They have no idea what it's like to be in there. Rolling for five minutes alone, going super hard is exhausting. Doing that for three rounds with yeah. all the other elements that we talked about. Being on a, a, a live TV with, with like millions of viewers. Just staring at you. Dude. And then, you know, all your six weeks can either culminate in a win or a loss. And or that's loss. it. And the two people are walking in there, and one of them's walking out a loser, and one of them's walking out a winner. You better make sure it's not you. Exactly. <laughs> it's I. Yeah, those. I, I appreciate um, UFC way more when I'm watching it. I pick mm-hmm. up the little intricacies here and there, and when I see a smooth transition, I appreciate it so much more because I know how hard it is to do those type of things, especially under the circumstances that these people are doing it. Yeah. And you just you appreciate it that hands down that much more. You know, and I I feel so much anxiety when like I don't know how, uh, you know, women of like wives and girlfriends of MMA oh, fighters yeah. watch those fights because these guys are just my friends and my training partners, and every time they step in onto the, into that cage, like my heart is trying to jump out of my chest. So it is beating ferociously and I'm just like and I don't know what it is because it's not like they're gonna die or anything yeah, but like right. but you, you know they can to, get hurt you, you know, know they, they can get hurt and you hurt. want them to win so badly you know that loss like what that loss we'll will do, do. not saying that they're weak but like no. all that blood sweat and tears they poured into that mat you want to see that become a win you do you and do. anything other than that and you're just you're sitting there like not that you don't believe in them but you're just like you're so it's so true it's so true <laughs> And the thing that's too is like a lot of these people you're saying that are stepping into the the ring that you train with or you know personally, mainly the ones that you train with, you're that much more committed because in some degree you kind of help them prepare for that fight. You a little see, bit. Yeah, a little <laughs> bit. And you've, you've also seen, like you said, the sweat and dedication that they put into it. You know how much fear they have going into it. And then you also know what it means to them. And to see, like you like... You feel it for them. It's almost like you're in there. A part of you is in there with them, I guess. Yeah. That's how I felt. You know, like a part of you is in there with them. And if they get the win, you get a piece of that win. If they get the loss, you get a piece of that loss. You feel it for them. Yeah. And, um, but I've never seen somebody, just from being around Matt on weigh-in days, I've never seen somebody who was so mentally just composed. It's insane. Mental I'm like, what is your, like, you, I don't even know what to call like, Do you think it's experience? That even it's it's more than just confidence. It's more complicated than just confidence. It's it's like a it's culmination guts. of things. 
I don't even know what it is. Like it has it has to be confidence, experience, the fact that you hate Prepared. losing more than you like winning. That's true. Um, and just like just believing in yourself. I he because he's you know he's gone through you know what he's gone through in his life and it's not like you know everything like all this stuff is super easy for him. No, none of but it. But he's he makes it he almost. makes it work and he makes it look like superhuman almost he does no he does he does like when you're training with him and you're seeing you know that he's feeling the same thing that you're feeling when you're in terms of exhaustion but there's a part of his body that's blocking it out that he's yeah. just like it's almost like it's not registering you know you know yeah, what i mean and you're like okay so i'm on this diet i'm trying yeah so hard but am i really trying that hard because i'm pretty sure he's dying on the inside but he looks just fine he and looks that, fine <laughs> i always thought i always thought to myself you know do what I want to be able to teach jujitsu, and I'd love to be able to teach jujitsu. I'm sure I'll be able to. Oh yeah. But will I be able to teach it the way he does, with the responsibility, the accountability, the respect? The way he just looks at it in general, he looks at it from a different perspective. I've never, like, I haven't been exposed to that before. Yeah. I don't. I, yeah, I don't think there's a lot of people that have been exposed to that, and I think like he legit just he sees shapes, and it's. I don't even that's like the most simplistic way I can put it but it's it's super technical it's you know the three concepts weight distribution base and connection mm-hmm. and he's able to just see things from a mile away that people wouldn't even see with a magnifying glass it's so true and it's not even just I don't even think it's because he's a black belt I think there's more to it. It's you just know what I mean? It's like the way his mind works. It's just the way he's wired. Or the way he's trained his mind to work. Yeah, I, I, think, don't... It's, I think it's a combination of that. With the way that his mind works naturally and the training that he puts himself through. I don't understand like... It's inspiring. It makes you want to work 10 inspiring. times harder. It's super inspiring. <laughs> it really is. And that's that's the secret to his school. Because we, all of us look up to him in that perspective. You know, mm-hmm. we see that. Just and as it, much as um, like being mentally weak and um, and negativity is contagious. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing about confidence. If you hang around, unless you're like very mentally weak and you constantly make excuses, if you are around that type of confidence and that type of drive, it pushes you. Yeah, it does. And you don't want to be anything less than what you see. That's true. That's a good point. That's a really good point. And that's why I think people, he's more than... I just I think a lot of people lack that in their life, and I think we're very yeah. fortunate to have it. Oh yeah. Um, those Sunday workouts were actually oh my gosh, I went to school. Oh, the competition classes. <laughs> but the, even when, when he's doing those competition classes, the composure that he has, and for him, that's and that was just his first workout. That's what I was going to say. Or his nope, that was probably his second workout. Yeah. And then he had like and two that was more. 10, that was like ten o'clock on ten o'clock Sunday. in the morning. That was the second workout. Yeah, and then he had maybe two more and then hitting mitts that's it or wrestling after something like that and there's no and the thing is is people can say oh well it's because he loves it and yeah look you can't love something when you're that tired you know what i mean yeah. he knows that it's a means to be a champion yeah and he's worked no matter what people say to him no matter what obstacles he's come through in life he's accomplished what he set out to do and i think his jujitsu, I, I remember talking to one of the black belts at the last Gracie Cup that he won against, and he said that my, our professor was a, a juggernaut, and you can't stop him, you can only slow him down. 
and I think <laughs> and I, I think it was a hundred percent accurate. Yep. But was what, it? Uh, was the second person that he Pedro went? Pedro Sauer. I think so. This was he. Was it the second person that he went up against? I think it was the second. Oh, person. No, I thought you were talking. I didn't know you were talking about the black belts he competed against. I thought you were just talking about the black belts who came to. No, it was um, the ones that he competed against. It might have been the first guy because the first guy was cool. The second guy was a douche. It was the first guy. Then. It was the first guy. Yeah, it was the first guy, and he just said he was juggernaut. He was like, "I'll go. I'll lose to him again." <laughs> He's like, "I'll go against him again and lose." That's the guy. He had an awesome. Like, he had an awesome attitude about it. He had yeah. an awesome attitude, but I think. How you are on the mat is how you are in life. I said that earlier, and I feel like Matt's the same way with his goals. He might get slowed down because an obstacle might throw in his way, but he's going to achieve it. Yeah, you're Even not stopping him. You're if he's got stopping, his eyes on it, it's gonna he happen. can see through you if you exactly. try to step in front of him. And that's the thing. And that's I think all of us inspire to be that way. And our oh, jiu-jitsu yeah. is, is coming that way. It's coming around full force. Look at Chad. Look at you, Victor. Look at you. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> Look at you. Yeah, I'm coming up. I'm coming up most definitely, but just... It's amazing just to see the progression of the school, the potential of the people there. And mm-hmm. I'm really excited to say that we're part of the first generation. I mean, yeah. we're going to be And we the call first each other out. Like, we whenever somebody do. makes an excuse, we do not let it go. We don't. We don't. We don't. <laughs> and that, that's a part of it, too. You got to push everybody, everyone pushing everyone to the, to the next level. How about the piece about um, keeping yourself accountable? I think you got that down pretty well. Keeping myself accountable? Oh, man. Sometimes I just do not. And I'm just like... You don't? Ugh. No, no, I'm saying sometimes I don't. I'm Well, okay, I phrased that wrong. Sometimes I do not want to. There you go. There you go. <laughs> like, I think about it, and I'm just like, I could just let this slide. But you don't. It's okay. You don't, though. It's okay. Because <laughs> I, 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 I realized that I'm only... It's only hurting me. That's true. Whatever I don't put in, I'm not going to have that return on the mat. I'm not going to have that return in life. Um, so if I don't put this work in now, it's only going to take me longer to achieve my goal. That's true. Because um, I've had those moments where, you know, you don't work as hard. You're like, mm, it's okay. This will get me by. And you think about it. You're like, I'm going to regret this later. But you're still like, it's, I'll be okay. And then you, whatever result comes of it, you're just like, Damn. I really like I at that moment in time I knew what I should do and I even knew that I should do it and how I was gonna feel when I got this result and I didn't do it and it's one of the worst feelings ever. It is. It's I, like it is. <laughs> knowing that you could have done better and you didn't. Why? Because you didn't want to put that extra two seconds in. So you true. didn't want to be tired. Well, every time you push yourself a little bit more past your breaking point, your breaking part point gets further and further along, and then maybe you just don't have a breaking point anymore. That's true, and I think that's where I think that's where it's professors reach. He doesn't. That guy doesn't look like he has a breaking point anymore. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't see it's it. Just like inhuman. <laughs> it's true. It's true. But he trained himself to be that way. Yeah. That's that's the that's you, the amazing part about it's, it. You like you realize after a while, um, and that's something jujitsu showed me. Your body. I remember certain things like I'd stub my toe or something. Mm-hmm. You know, I might slam my finger in a door. I'm not saying it still doesn't hurt, but like. Even like, you know, the smallest amounts of blood just made me, uh, yeah. you know, certain things that just, I was just like, eh, I, uh, this hurts a lot. Things like that happen now. Like, I remember I broke my foot. Um, oh, wow. It was, I guess I'm going to have to say it and thousands of people are going to hear this. Um, but I broke my foot shadow boxing. <laughs> 
<laughs> wow. How did that go down? Tell me that um, story. That was, I was in Muay Thai, and I did Muay Thai for a couple of years. Um, and when I would, you, when you throw your kick, you're on, you're pivoting on your one foot. And um, because I have like flat feet, I never wow. learned how to, like, the, I guess the weight distribution for your foot, how you should put your pressure on your big toe and not the outside of your foot. Oh, so wow. when I was spinning to finish the kick, all the pressure was on the outside of my foot, so my ankle buckled. I rolled my ankle. Oh my gosh! Yeah. My fifth metatarsal bone <coughs> snapped, and I thought I heard it, but then I thought it might be the mat. But I was embarrassed that I just like rolled over myself over a kick, so I kind of limped out, and my foot started swelling up a little bit. And I'm like, "Oh, this doesn't really look that good." But how I about could, the pain level? Is there a use? It was okay. It wasn't like ah, yeah. because some of the guys were like, "Oh, it's just rolled. It'll be fine." Um, they taped it up. I went back and kicked on it for another 20 minutes. Oh, my goodness. And then I was like, you know, something just doesn't feel right. It just doesn't feel right. So um, one of the physical therapists at the gym, which I love, you can find literally any profession in jujitsu. <laughs> you know what? That's very true. There's a lot of different people on that mat. Like, so many people. If you have any type of issue, somebody on that mat will be able to help you solve it that's or so point true. you in the direction of somebody. That's, that's um, true. So he looked at it and he was like, I don't think it's broken, but you should probably stay off of it for the rest of the night and go get it looked at, go get an x-ray the next day. And um, the owner of the gym and, like, everybody was just like, yeah, just stay off of it. Next day I went to the thing. I was like, don't be broken, don't be broken, don't be broken. Please don't be broken. Um, she was like, there's a fracture on your foot. Ugh! I'm like, no! <laughs> I was like, so... When you say fracture... Um, <laughs> but she was like, yeah, you're going to have to go get a splint or a splint and then you know get a cast for four months and then a boot for another four and then I went into the doctor he was like um he was like yeah you got to stay off of it and I was like so when you say stay off of it like I'm usually sitting on the mats um we don't normally start on our feet so like you know can I he was like no no (laughs) (laughs) um and my sister was in med school at that point so she was like, if you don't heal this the correct way, it'll give you problems forever. Um, and with injuries, we constantly push ourselves. And, you know, we think after we get off of an injury, you know, maybe like a week or we think a week or two weeks is, is good. And then we get back on the mat and we tweak it again. And then we set it right back. Um, but I, I did this the right way. I did physical therapy. I stayed off it. I did the crutches and all that. And this leg is actually stronger than it was before which is unusual that's usually not how it works yeah and then my right leg i sprained it i think a couple times and i kept tweaking it because i was like a sprain isn't that bad Uh, right. right, i kept tweaking it so now this ankle still gives me problems because i didn't do physical therapy for it and i didn't really stay off of it um so i do know the benefits of actually giving your body time Time to rest um because you need it. You can't push yourself 24-7. Not to say that if, you know, you sprain your pinky or whatever, that you should just take 10 weeks off. Yeah. There's <laughs> um, people that do that. Yeah. There's people that do that. Yeah. But I just say all that to say that your your body can handle much more than you think it can. It's your mind that, that wants you to stop first. So what is it? Like um, 40% when you, when you feel like you're tired, you can usually go 40% more. Is that what it is? Was it saying that? I thought it was saying that you are only using 40% and oh. you can do like 60% more. 
but I don't know. Yeah, right, right. Um, right. I just know that when you, you're tired, you can still push yourself. That's very true. Um, your mind goes out way before your body does. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and sometimes it's best to see when your body goes out because then, then you know, hey, I know where I can take myself and I know how I feel when I actually shouldn't be pushing myself any right. further. Um, I mean, that may not be the smartest thing, but I mean, hey, if you push yourself really far, you can only go further the next time, right? It's so because true. everything is like a muscle. Muscles expand, right? It's so true. They get, they, they tear they repair, but they're bigger than the first. They're bigger than when you first tore them. That's so true. And then they keep getting bigger because you keep exercising that thing. It's like singing, like you the know. More you exercise the muscle, the more I get. Yeah, it's yeah. So true. But on the other end of that too, I mean, injuries are a lot of reasons why the it's a it's a great reason why the sport has such a high fallout rate. I think mm-hmm. my first injury, I ended up um, bruising a rib, which is one of the most painful, one of the most painful ever. things ever. And I didn't find out until it's rare. It's where how adrenaline works. I didn't find out until the middle of the night that night when I woke up and I couldn't You're breathe. Like, oh. It's like when <laughs> you were, it's the worst thing because I've you can inhale, but it's, what is it? I think it was when you're inhaling, you can no, you you have a hard time inhaling. And then when you try to exhale, it hurts too. So you're working with this little breath. <laughs> she's trying to breathe. My wife wakes up. She's like, what are you doing over there? I'm like, I'm trying to breathe. You're trying to master yeah. inhaling and exhaling yeah, at the same, same time. time without any pain. It's a very difficult thing to do. And that was enough reason to convince me, oh, this isn't the sport for you. You're too old to be doing this. You're, it's serious. And then you're like, the pain isn't worth it. And then yeah. the medical bills. And then you stop and you're like, no, I love it too much. It is worth it. Mm-hmm. And this will heal. This will heal. <laughs> and then you do think, because a lot of people, they say, a lot of people, black belts that I've talked to say, you know, I've never gotten into a street altercation outside of the, the mat, right? So you're training for something that may never happen. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those things that you'd rather be prepared for when it does happen as opposed to, because I hurt my rib, I would stop training for the rest of my life. Yeah. You know? Just because your rib hurt doesn't mean anybody's going to give you a break on the street. Like, oh, dude, my rib hurts. Can you not? kick me or hurt me it's so it's it's a hundred percent true that's a hundred percent true yeah but one thing for the injuries because i um at the hickson cup i was i asked both pedro sour and hickson gracie what they did in terms of rehabbing and what they would have done differently you know when they were younger to you know stave off injuries longer or at least make their bodies last longer um and Pedro Sara was saying that he doesn't do just jiu- jujitsu like twenty four seven. He takes time and he swims. Um, wow. And, yeah, and just you know stuff like that. And then Hickson was saying kettlebells. Kettlebells help you get stronger and it reduces the um, the chance of injuries. Um, I think they both said yoga. Wow. Um, Seems like a lot of people that do jujitsu do yoga. Yeah. It's yoga it's, and surfing. Sh- Oh, I think he did say surfing too. See? I think they both. I think they both might have. Said I know surfing. that. I know that. I know that Hickson surfs. Yeah, he surfs. Yeah. I don't know what it is with the surfing thing. It. I've surfed once in Costa Rica. I saw that. It was so much fun. So what's that like? To break it down for me. I mean, you're you're in the water the whole time, and you know the water's just. There's I, sharks in that water too, right? You know, maybe they told me. I don't know if it was a lie, but I I was in Tamarindo, and they were like, "There's no." Sharks in Costa Rica. Oh. Okay. And I'm like, really? 
And that made it easier for me because, like, we, we were going on certain things out in the middle of the ocean um, where there was, like, jet skis or whatever, and oh, I was just God. jumping in the water because I love swimming. So yeah. I was just, You're I'm just... like, ah, there's no sharks out here, so I'm just, Good to go. you know? <laughs> Now that I think about it, I'm like, ooh, what if there were sharks and they were just, like, you know, lying to me? So what's got... the thing about this, this surfing it's... thing? Is it just freedom or what? I don't... I don't... To me, everything about the water is freeing. But like when you're, you are on this board and you're riding a wave, I don't. It's just kind of like intoxicating. Mm-hmm. You're floating on water to an extent. You have to, but you have to balance yourself. It's not like you can just get on it and right, 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 you know. Right. There's there's focus that goes into making sure that you're um, balanced. You're balanced. Um, weight distribution on the board. But once you get and connection, it, connection, right? Yep. Three, three, three <laughs> yep. Right. That's funny. Yep. But you know, once you you you, it's kind of like anything else. Once you accomplish that and you're successful at it, there's it just feels great. Wow. You're like, I don't even know how to describe it. it long, I love it. How long did it take you to kind of pick it up? Like, did you do it with one day of it, two days, three days? Of uh, it? that was one day, and I was riding. The surfboard before the lesson was over they give you a two hour lesson and I think I was riding like within the first half an hour 45 minutes that's crazy so you really yeah you really liked it oh I loved it I didn't want to get out of the water I didn't want to stop I wanted to go find bigger waves but I knew I wasn't ready yet <laughs> um yeah I don't but, know if that's something I would ever really like the whole surfing listen, thing listen we said I said I was gonna get you in this water we're gonna get in this water <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna get in this water <laughs> Because I, I, I am intrigued by it because I hear a lot of people that practice jujitsu, they love surfing. They love it, love it, love it, love it. They also love yoga. So there's, I'm sure there's a lot of benefits that are cross over into the jujitsu world. Of it. Yoga? Um, yeah, you do yoga every Friday, right? Power yoga with Mike Parisi. How Man, oh my God, it is amazing. It is. Has it helped your game, your jujitsu? Yes, yoga? it's helped my game, it's helped my body. So I didn't know how beneficial it was. I knew that, you know, my lower back wasn't hurting anymore. I knew that my body was more flexible. I mean, I've always been flexible, but, like, it was just becoming even more so. And um, then I stopped for a while because I couldn't make it to the classes. And then my body started, like, I started feeling old again. My back started hurting again, like, lots of pain in my lower back because your core is in your, your It helps strengthen your core, mm-hmm. um, among the many other things it helps. But I realized that power yoga is very instrumental to, one, helping your body bend more so it doesn't break, Mm -hmm. which is one of his, like, models. We bend so we don't break. Um, And also, there are certain... So, like, let's say you're trying to pass somebody's open guard, and you're leaning in to pressure the back of their... uh, You know how... uh, It's hard to explain it, but you pressure the back of your... Of their... Maybe their hamstring with your knee. Knee, Um, to like stop them from moving. From moving, you're basically doing warrior one. <laughs> That's oh the my. position for warrior one. When you're in side control, your legs it's kind of like child's pose. Oh wow! I see what you're saying. Like now. how your legs are, you know, out. Yeah. Um. So the formation. Arm bar it helps with like you know arm bars. Uh recovering guard like when people try to stack me i'm able to just because of um i forgot what the name of it is but after you 
doing a shoulder stand, mm-hmm. you let your legs drop to fall over your head. Oh, wow. And it helps you with like the Gramby rolling. Okay. And because you're on your so shoulders. So the shapes are similar. The yeah. forms are very similar. So yeah. it crosses over. Because now, because it was harder to, I know like we, we focus on the rolling um, in class, but it just, something just clicked for me when we were doing it more with power yoga. And once I was doing shoulder stands, it was easy. It was more comfortable to, for me to be in that position and then be able to roll on my shoulders and recover my guard. Oh, wow. Um, so it has helped your game significantly then. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I swear by power yoga. Like, it's... How is that different from, like, hot yoga or whatever? The... Um, Have you done that? I haven't done too many other yoga classes. But it's... This is a form of yoga where it's not just for flexibility. It's for strength. It's for strength. Because we'll hold these positions... We could hold these positions anywhere... Um, from one to I think he said some people he's made them hold positions for like 18 minutes hold one position for 18 minutes yeah I think that was like one of the hip openers he had them lay in the um lizard uh leaping lizard sorry I can't remember all the names of them yeah I'm sure but it was a hip opener it's for hip flexibility they had to be in that position in a hot room for um like he'll crank up the room to 90 and you'll be in that position having to think about your breaths because breaths are very integral to power yoga just integral to life you know yeah, that's true. but breathing the right way um like filling your lungs and then getting all those toxins out um he it's it's you just get stronger my core is stronger i can do walking on my hands is getting i'm getting closer to being able to do it because mm-hmm. like I was never able to do headstands before power yoga. I can do headstands. I'm closer to doing handstands. Um, like, I can stay in a handstand position for maybe five, seven seconds. Um, walking is a little bit, like, my shoulders are still, I'm still building that strength in my shoulders. Right. Um, but it's becoming easier, or my body's getting used to those types of movements because I'm doing it more. Yeah, so it's, wow. It's... I love power yoga. So going into that, so do you, based on that, you, you you agree that discomfort is your friend? I do. You need adversity at every step in your life to help you grow and help you be better. Shying away from it doesn't, it, it only prolongs the inevitable. It's true. It's true. And, and that's what, I, that's another part that I was thinking about because I remember Gracie was saying that, um, Hickson was saying at the seminar that the dropout rate in jujitsu is so high. Um, especially as someone coming in as a white belt, they get discouraged. And I think I felt it before when a new white belt comes in. I don't know what their expectation is. Everybody walking through that door has a different expectation. Is But you roll with them. And even if you're letting them work, there's a point where they give up mentally. And I think it's because of that discomfort. And I think there's a lot of people out there that are so comfortable with being comfortable that as soon as they find discomfort, it's kind of their warning sign that this isn't for me. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like the dropout weight of jujitsu will always be high. It'll get, it won't, it'll lessen, but it'll always be high because I think a lot of these people in today, just the way the people are in general, that's those are their triggers. As soon as yeah, something gets this comfortable, let's, let's talk about the way people are in today's society. <laughs> let's talk like, about it. Let's talk uh, about it. Oh my goodness! It's like, crazy. It's. I feel like. It's. 
it's hard to explain. So you have people who are handing out, I guess how everybody puts it, participation trophies. That even if you tried this, you're still going to get something for this even if you failed. Even though you shouldn't get anything because if you failed, that should be an indication that you need to improve improve on something. You need to be better for the next time around. You need to keep working harder. Um, But also, then we have this culture of not telling people things that they need to hear that's true the and whole discomfort thing right you don't yeah the whole discomfort thing right. how are you gonna learn if there's a difference between somebody berating you and somebody critiquing you that's true um like there's a difference between being blunt and being rude true there's a difference between um not being politically correct and just being an asshole and, and being a dick a big part of that difference is respect, right? Yeah. In all of those scenarios is how respectful you are when you're giving that yeah. criticism or accepting oh, yeah. that criticism. And I just, I don't know what's going on. I just feel like there's always two sides that are extreme and there's always pushback from the extreme side. So mm-hmm. you don't have anybody who's in the middle. You have people who want to be fully PC. And then the people who are fully PC piss off the people who don't want to be PC at all. So then they do things that are even more outlandish mm-hmm. than just not being PC, than just yeah. being a blunt person. Right, right, they say right. things that are like way past the borderline of it's disrespectful, so of distasteful. Yeah, because they're like, I am so against what you're for that I'm just going to be on the opposite end of the spectrum, screaming this out from every single mountaintop. And then you have the people in the middle who are like, hey guys, uh, what if we just like met in somewhere in the middle? Mm-hmm. But everybody's on both ends. The, so that's the, the quietest um, voice in the argument, that middle person. Yeah. Is like, hey, <laughs> and he's getting drowned out. You know, I, I think that Twitter does that worse than anything. Twitter, Facebook. All of those things. And it's because... The only one that doesn't do it is Instagram because you can only post pictures. Yeah. It's just so true. <laughs> it's so true. And I or think videos. It's, and it, it's, 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 it sucks because... I think it's bleeding into even sports too. Like, you gotta be like for UFC now. Everyone's taking the Conor McGregor approach, talking crap, even when the people that doesn't make any sense. They're just just so they can get a reaction. Yeah, there's some that can react to them. And it's it like, doesn't work that way. It dude. doesn't. It's the people. Be yourself. It's like so when Conor McGregor first came out, he was cocky, but he wasn't over the top. No, he was. And that was the Conor McGregor I started falling in love that's, with. That's that's because one. I was like, yo, he's like. He's confident yeah. and he's feeling himself, but yeah. he's not like a, he's not a dick about it. No, he's not. But it's funny and I love watching it because yeah. he's like, he's got that belief in himself that nobody's stopping me. And I'm going to talk shit to you a little bit just because it's fun. And I can get in your head and probably throw your game off a little <laughs> yeah. bit because you're not going to take me serious. Exactly. When I first started following him, the amount of fighters that went up against him, remember they were calling him the Joker? Mm-hmm. That was the big thing. They yeah. weren't taking him serious and... He just kept on talking his shit. But when he got into that ring, it was like... A different person. It was a different person. He was he was calculated. He, you know, he wasn't rushing in and, you know, being all crazy like, oh, I'm going to knock you out. He was waiting time. He was timing it. He was being precise. It's so true. Um, it's so true. And now when I think about it, just been talking with you, I think it goes with his style because he's a counterpuncher. He mm-hmm. talks so much shit that you want to knock his head off. Yep. <laughs> and then he looks, he doesn't look the part. Like, when you see him in the ring, he looks the part. But when he's walking around talking his shit, he doesn't look the part. So you, when a lot of people, when they get in there, the first f- four or five fights, those people are like, I'm going to shut this clown up. 
He doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm going to teach mm-hmm. him a lesson. He's still new. All of this stuff. Then when they get in there, the advice they would give to the next people that were going to fight him were, take this guy serious. Yep. Take this guy serious. Yep, they were like, stop. Like, this yeah. is not a game. <laughs> because they would, he would get them to give him that punch so he could counter and the game was over. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I, on the other end of the spectrum, I love the... Um, Nick Diaz's, the Nate Diaz, oh the Donald Cerrone's, who are just in it for the fight. Just for yeah, they you're just so love right. the fight. They're so I like I love they, watching them. <laughs> I love why because they're the purest. Those are the kids that were fighting in high school. Yep, those are, <laughs> might have been fighting for survival. Might have been fighting just because they wanted to fight. Just because they wanted to fight. <laughs> you're so right. And I remember he they were saying about um the Diaz brothers that um fighting is the only thing they can do. Mm. And so they're doing it on a top level. I'm, I, it's, it sucks to hear about Nick, but Nate, watching Nate, it's it's seriously super. I like watching them. I love watching them because oh, they're yeah. so into it. It's like, oh, yeah. I don't think they're any more comfortable being inside that ring fighting. They're not even thinking, they're, I don't even think they're comfortable talking publicly because when you hear them talk publicly, they're, they're kind of like, I don't yeah. want to be here. I'm yeah. just here so I don't get fined. They're, 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 <laughs> their interviews are the best because they don't want, they just want to be in the ring. You need people like that. You need people like that. Oh, and they're talking, when they talk smack, it's genuine. Yeah. It's like they're not doing it to get a rating. They're doing it because they're the type of people they just love talking smack and they're going to do it. And that's what it goes back to what we were saying about society in general. I don't think, I don't think there's a lot of genuine people out there anymore. I think everyone's trying to be someone who they're not. They're trying to fit into a square or a circle or trying wherever they can fit in to fit in. And fit into some type of mold that is not the one that originally originally became packaged in. And that goes back to why I think a lot more people should train in jujitsu because you find out who you are. You find out who your where your holes are when you're on that mat and someone's on top of you. you can't get out of it. And when you try to mimic somebody else's oh game, gosh. It, you don't you you never become good that way. There's no way. There's it's only no when way. you find your own game. It's so true. I think that's why I'm so excited about being a purple belt. Because I feel like as a white belt, you're just surviving. You're learning like um, you're learning the lingo. You're learning the shapes. Mm-hmm. You're learning the positions. Um, and the lingo is a big part of it. Uh, as a blue belt, you're putting it all together. Seeing how it works. Like you said, working on your transitions. Mm-hmm. Trying to work on baiting. Working on advanced stuff. You have you know You know everything. But you don't know how to use it. You know, yeah. you know where all the tools are, but you don't know how to apply them. With a purple belt, I feel, because I'm not a purple belt, but I feel as a purple belt, you know everything, you have all the tools, and now you start using the tools in a way that um, match your attributes. You know, like your strength, your flexibility. Like you're finding your, your game. You're finding your game, right. Um, that's what I'm excited about because yeah. uh, I think that's really when it, when it, I think that's when it's exciting. Like Chad was a killer blue belt but now as a purple belt you just you can see his style he's he's chad <laughs> you know what i mean he's, oh yeah but you see it you see it within the purple belts they just they just stand out that much more mm-hmm. and i can't wait till i get to that point oh yeah and the confidence that comes with it you know oh yeah and i love like one of the things i love about jujitsu is it's not like most things i feel like it gives you both short-term and long-term goals that's very true like you have a move that you might want to drill for a few months, but that's very true. You're working on, say, you want to become a world champion. That's a long term goal. Mm-hmm. Say you want to become, you know, a black belt. That's a long term goal. goal. Um, 
it just it just gives you so many things at so many different levels to aspire to it's very to true. work towards to you know to achieve these goals but then know that hey just because i achieve this doesn't mean the work is done it's so true even when you become a black belt that's when they say you really start right that's what, I was, <laughs> that's what they're saying though and that's what i was going to ask you do you really believe that jujitsu is endless like you're yeah all, and the more i th- i thought i thought when i first started that it was when you get your black belt that's okay you did it let's move on to something different nah cause if you don't use it you lose it it's true it's and true. you have people gunning for you even harder now when you're a blue and you're a white and you're even like a purple people are like okay like you know you've been around for a while but you're still mm. you know yeah, you're, st- you're still you're still beatable you're still learning yeah. but when you're a brown and you're a black you've put in those hours yeah. you didn't leave like you stuck with this yeah not that many people get black belts no it's not so like if you've got if you've gotten a black belt legitly, you are the real deal. What do you think about for everyone that doesn't know? Typically, for a white belt, it's a year before you get your blue. Typically, mm-hmm. for your blue belt, what is it? Two years before you get your purple. Typically, two to three. I don't know because yeah. there've always been all oh, gyms do it differently. They all do it differently. I've seen some people take two years to get their blue. I've seen some people take eight months to get their blue. Yeah, you know that's true. That's true. But um, typically, for a black belt. Most people say it's like nine, ten years. Nine to ten years. There's blue, there's black belts walking around that only did it for five years. There's black belts walking around like BJ Penn, who's a freak of nature. He all he did was he. I think they the rumor is that he got it in four. I think so. So I mean, if he's I mean if he's out there beating black belts and he's you know doing just as well as other legit. black belts he's and legit. he's legit, it doesn't matter the time. I mean, people there are many things that go into it. Some people it just clicks for you and yeah. you get it and mm-hmm. you're you're good at it. And then other people. You were that determined and you had the time. Not everybody right. has the time. Like you could have you you had the resources to put your effort into jujitsu and, and nothing focus else. On it. But there's and there's also those people that they were decent white belts, they were decent blue belts, and then there were nasty purple belts, nasty brown belts, and just nasty black belts. Yeah, some some people it just took longer to click, but once it did It's just a it's a wrap. It, it just was keeps there. going and keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. Oh yeah. Another reason why I think it's it's um it's endless. Timeless and endless are two different things, but I think it's endless because I watch I watch a Professor Secor role, and there's different things that when he got his black belt that were big. For example, um, Hickson when he was training jujitsu, the Dar's choke wasn't around, right? Yeah. So there's got to be techniques that weren't around when um, Professor Secor got his, but around now. And if he's rolling with someone, he has to be able to apply the concepts that he knows to defeat that. So that's why it's like. But that's the funny thing. The concepts that he does uh, teach. Talk, teach, they um, they 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 adjust. They do to everything. They do. Um, I remember I was rolling with the with somebody who had the darts on me, and any other time I'm like, you know, once they get your arm, mm. they get under your arm, yeah, it's, it's over. A it's a problem. I all of a sudden I just started pushing back and I connected my elbow to their arm. Oh wow. Yeah, and I was like, "Wow!" So like you know when it's across, mm-hmm. but then you can kind Push. of just put a bend on your elbow and then pin your elbow down to your side, kind yeah. of. But you're pinning it down on their arm. I didn't even think. Of that. And I was like, "Oh, this is, this is alleviating the pressure." Right, right. And you just held it. Right? <laughs> and then I held it, and um, I think one person gave up because they couldn't get it through, and then another person I was able to kind of wiggle my uh, self out of it. Wow. But I was like. 
connection, Whoa. right? Whoa. That's insane. Whoa. <laughs> and it's a, those are big deals when you find something like that, especially when you find it live and you're rolling yeah. and, you're like, and you're thinking in your head as you're almost being choked out. Like, wow, this is working. This is giving me space. I can chill. You don't even know what's going on in their head, but you know, I just found a gem that I'm going to keep. Yep. I'm going to put this in my game yep. forever. <laughs> like, because I mean, sometimes they're going to slip something on you and it might be too quick for you to react. You know, react. But if you can just do that one little thing, just to give yourself some a little bit more time to figure out something out, um, figure something else out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you're, you know, any little bit helps. It's true. It's true. What do you think about um, in the invisible pressure, or did I? Yeah, the invisible pressure, just the invisible aspect of jujitsu. The invisible like the invi- aspect. Of yeah, it's like um, a lot of the times when you when I, when I watch Professor Secor dismantling somebody. <laughs> I'm just like, there's certain things that he's doing that if I didn't know those, the concepts, the principles, the three ones that he always focuses on. You wouldn't really see it was that it was going on. I wouldn't know what's going on. That's that invisible jujitsu I'm talking about. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, where he's stopping your movement before it even begins. Like. You don't see that, but it's oh, there. Oh, yes. He's like, just, wherever you're going to go, it's like, almost like he gets there before you and prevents it from happening. So like if you're, let's say you need to get your shoulder up off the ground in order to shrimp. Yeah, he's pushing that shoulder. He's down. pushing that shoulder right back down. Now he took that shoulder away. Now you can't do anything. You can't. And um, if you and if you do do something, it's because he's giving you something so you're gonna move in the way that he wants you to move. So you're going right where he wants you to. Yep. That's high 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 oh, level stuff. I remember something like that happened to me, but it happened in kind of the reverse. Mm-hmm. So I was in turtle and you know there's a move where they can grab your arm and grab your leg and then dump you. Yeah. I remember we were talking in one class. He was like, how do you roll? You know, mm-hmm. your shoulder needs to dip. Oh, yeah, yeah. So if your shoulder doesn't dip, you can't, you can't roll. roll. So I made sure to like square my shoulders out and the person couldn't dump me because my shoulder wasn't dipping. Right. And I made sure my base was how we have it like when you're in side control or when you're mounted on somebody. Right. How you're kind of like melting yep. in to the mat. Those little things are and game I was changers. Like, Dude. <laughs> they're game changers, though. You don't think about Dude. it, but they're, they're game changers. It's huge. Huge. What do you think about the whole the whole aspect <laughs> of that? That's one of the most amazing parts of it. I mean, let's just keep going a little longer. If yeah. you need to cut something, you let's can do cut it. something. Let's do it. You know. You know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so here's a question for you. Where do you think, if you didn't have jujitsu, because you've been doing it for the last three years, what do you think would be different about your life? I want to be a badass. It's like, no. True. <laughs> True. No, you're right. That's one of them. But what um, else? I might still be playing tennis. Oh, really? Yeah. I played tennis from four to like 19, 20. Um, oh, I wow. mean, the high, 
highest I went was varsity, and then I played college tennis because I wasn't. Um, okay, that's one thing that is different about me. So I didn't have the determination to lose the weight I needed to mm. to get on the varsity team because I was still over. I think I was still like two twenty five. Because I used to be two sixty. Wow. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. I used to be. I was a biggin. I That's, was a biggin. That is crazy. And the reason I'm saying that is because I, I train with you, obviously. I see how you move. I see how strong you are. I see how like mentally strong you are. And I, obviously, by the way you said that 260, you didn't want to be there, right? Dude, yo. I can tell you the nicknames I was called. I remember because my, my lower body was smaller than my top. Oh, no. So they called me Biggie Smalls. Oh, <laughs> you can laugh. It's okay. <laughs> I know you're trying not to. It's okay. <laughs> you know, none of that stuff affects me anymore because I'm not that person and everybody who used to call me fat is fat now. <laughs> so, how about them apples? <laughs> oh my God, that's hilarious. Um, that does make a difference though. Oh yeah. yeah. It's gonna make you feel good. It, it feels great. Like, other than the fact you look better, so you mm-hmm. feel better, you don't have all that weight on your joints. Like that's, I feel like that's, that's why true. I was rolling my ankles a lot because my ankles have always been like the size of toothpicks. Mm-hmm. But you know, I was bigger, you know, in my like lower half, like my quads and my butt, and mm-hmm. then like the upper half. Um, but one day I was just like, I don't want to be fat anymore. I used to cry about it when I was a kid because I would always get made fun of for it. It was, it, it was weird. Like, I was really liked mm-hmm. when, like, all throughout school. And, like, I always had friends. But then you still always had those people who were just going to be jerks. And, and, yeah, yeah. Who had to put you down and make themselves feel better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, instead of, like... I remember one time, my brother... My brother was so... Oh, my gosh. Um, we used to get into arguments. And one time he was like, I hope you eat yourself into a coma. <laughs> he said that to you out loud? And he said, when I sit down, I look like a ball. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. Oh, my God. But, wow. like, I mean. That motivates and that, you. Like, that's why, like, when people are like, oh, you need to be PC. I'm like, when I was younger, nobody was PC yeah, with me. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. no. I had to, I had to PC adapt. PC politically correct for those. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to adapt I either had to lose the weight or I just had to feel badly about myself and I wasn't gonna go you know kill myself like I knew I had work to do I I had work to do and I had people who cared about me yeah um but I didn't want to be big anymore yeah I wanted to be healthy I wanted to be able to move faster I wanted to be able to I mean I did want to look better um everybody wants to look better of course um but feel better too yeah that's what it's another aspect of it um so i started you know enlisting anybody i could find at the ymca who could like my friends who could be my personal trainers so like it started with that my mom put me in fat camp (laughs) you can laugh it's okay i've been through it (laughs) what are those fat camps like oh my god drama like you've never seen oh my drama like you've never seen i remember this one girl was about to put bleach in another girl's eye oh my gosh um this other girl was 300 pounds and she was like in her teens and she had sleep apnea and the machine was bothering somebody they couldn't sleep so they went and down they turned it off (laughs) they 
10 minutes. And then they realize, like, oh, yeah, hey, the girl could die if the machine isn't on. So they turn it back on. And I was like, that's terrible. Y'all are tripping. <laughs> what? I remember I went away for a day. I went horseback riding. All of a sudden, I came back and I was talking crap about this one girl. And she was, she, I guess she wanted to fight me. And I had never been in a fight, but I'm the type of person. I'll it's, fight you. Yeah, right. You you want to talk of the smack? Let's go. Let's roll, yeah. <laughs> um, she ended up backing down. Um, <laughs> and I, it was it was the girl, because I remember we were in the gazebo one night. We were just talking about everything. And there was these other two girls who were talking smack about the one girl. Because I was friends with her. But all of a sudden, I go. Now, they just want to start drama, and I'm the scapegoat. Right. I'm like, okay, but if y'all want to do this, we could do this. <laughs> um, but you two, now y'all need to leave me alone. I don't, I don't want to be around yeah. you. I'm not, I don't, yeah, I've so never, true. I've never liked drama. I'm not the type of person who's like, oh, I don't like drama and then I'll go. Yeah, there's a lot of those out there. I'll listen to somebody else's. Like if you need to vent, whatever the case is, like sometimes it's just entertaining when it's not me yeah, and, and I have nothing to do with it. But I need, I like peace. I like my life being peaceful. That's true. Um, and I've been through like real stuff, so I don't need fake artificial BS yeah. to make my life seem exciting. Nah, <laughs> I don't need it. It's just, I just, ugh, I just, I will remove whoever is causing it from my life. Right. Um, but I went to fat camp that summer. I lost like 22 pounds. Wow, that's huge. Um, and I realize it's it's in your soft drinks and stuff like that. When when you drink a lot of water, and you portion your meals out and you're active, you you drop the weight. Um, and I gained it back after because I was still a young kid. I right. wasn't that mentally yeah. strong. Um, but it was towards the end of high school that I just I think my junior year I started getting in the mode, and then I just kept going down when I got to college. Mm-hmm. Um, and then jujitsu helped me shave down like it even like I think I lost another thirty pounds with jujitsu. Wow. Um, actually in total, I probably would have lost cause I got down to 177 one summer. That's, wow. That's and amazing. <laughs> I didn't even realize that I had gotten down. So I was doing, I, um, uh, I was 220, I believe when I started jujitsu. So I got down, uh, yeah, I got down to one, I was around one nineties. Hmm. And then that summer, I was I started getting down to one eighty. Those are amazing numbers, dude. <laughs> I got down to like one eighty five, one eighty four. I was floating, and then the summer after I graduated from law school, which I probably shouldn't have been doing this much, I just got really active. Oh wow! Um, so I was doing jujitsu, and then I met a lot of people through jujitsu. That's one thing that's been so beneficial. I've met so many people, so many genuine people, so genuine many people, people who want real, like yep, real who, genuine who, who people. just want to help you for no other reason nope. than to just help you. It's kind of strange, right? It kind of throws you yeah, off I'm a like, little bit. You sh- yeah, you, you think there's you something just, behind it? You just want it. me to come to Christmas? Yeah, like, it's so just, strange. You want me to go like apple picking? Yeah. You, you just want to? I've done so much. I miss out on a lot of the stuff yeah. that you guys do, but I've done so much. Just that's one thing. Like asking me that same question, what would be different? Yeah. Because when I went, to, when I started doing jujitsu, I was depressed. I wasn't where I wanted to be in life. I didn't have the job I wanted. I didn't have the friends I wanted. And hey, look at you now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Seriously. So when I went to jujitsu, I was like, I wasn't looking for all those things um, because I didn't think I'd be able to find those on a mat <laughs> with sweaty people. And but when I went in, 
And I remember it was a Thursday night. It was a Thursday night at Eddie's. And Chris was teaching the class. Mm-hmm. Or he was in the class, one or the other. And No, he was teaching it. Because I remember him locking up. There were about six of us. It was a small class. And after everyone got done rolling, I remember I was getting packed up to go. And this person comes up. And they're like, hey, you know, I just want to let you guys know this is my uh, 90th day um, drink-free and you know it's a big part of that is because I'm not I'm on the mat and I really appreciate them. Another guy was like, "Yeah, I just hit my 30th day with no pot." And I'm like, "What the heck is going on here?" And this other person's like, "Yeah, I lost 30 pounds." And all these people are sharing. It got to me, and I'm like, <laughs> I didn't even know what to say. I was like, you know what I mean? But I realized I'm like, all these people came here. They had a problem, and being on this mat helped them solve that problem. So I'm like, I wonder if I could do the same thing. I started training more and it wasn't I was trying to make friends with people or I was going out of my way to solve a problem. It was just the more that I was training, the more people, the more I could interact with people, the more I interacted with people, it gave me an, an, um, an opportunity to connect with them. And then when you connect, you realize, wow, they've dealt with a similar problem as mine and they got through it and how they got through it was coming here. So I just started putting two and two together. Let me see if it works for me. And it's, it did. As soon as I started realizing, okay, these concepts that I'm learning on the mat, discipline, focus, respect, accountability, if I start applying those to myself, patience, and patience, which is one of the biggest ones, mm-hmm. and I start applying that to my friends and holding them accountable and see how they react to it, I'll probably have better friends. And with myself, with where I want to be physically, as far as my body and my diet, if I hold myself accountable, I'll probably be in a better place you know what I mean and if I'm patient with my job opportunity or my job situation that'll change too and if I'm not so quick to fly off the, the handle well, maybe some other things will change and the more I started focusing on those things and the more I started like we said with, with Jiu Jitsu you're more zen you have more confidence you have more control things just started falling into place and I don't I'm almost 100% positive that if those things didn't fall into place I'd be doing this like a podcast or mm-hmm. hanging out with you or hanging out with the cool people that I met that not just cool people that's a very generic thing it's not giving enough credibility these are people that you can rely on you can depend on mm-hmm. if you have a problem if I have a problem and I pick up the phone and call you I know that you're not hanging up that phone until we there's some kind of realization or I feel better yeah if you if when we make plans everybody that does jujitsu is they like hold themselves accountable so I don't think anyone's ever canceled on me when I made a plan. Like the people that I trained with at school. Mm-hmm. It's like they're just there and they, they want you in their life. They want to make sure you're okay. Maybe it's maybe it's a, it's a selfish reason. Mm-hmm. Maybe the reason is because they want you to train with them because they, you're a good training partner. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's still the, how they're treating you is still very much genuine. You yeah. know? And I'm just surprised that you would meet people like that at a place where you go to choke each other out and break each other's arms. You know I what know. I mean? <laughs> Oh, that's so crazy. It's, it is. it's true. It's so true. It's so just genuine people on that mat, and they're from all walks of life. Mm-hmm. I mean, I work, I, I roll with doctors, lawyers, um, felons. Felons, <laughs> engineers. Right, engineers. No, the funniest like, thing was we're at Professor uh, Secor's. We're taking a group picture, and this guy <laughs> stuck out of the picture. I'm like, what's he doing? I'm like, yo, come take the picture. He's like, no, nah, I'll tell you later. They took the picture. We put it online. I'm like, yo, so what was up with that picture? He's like, he says, I got warrants. (laughs) (laughs) Nicest guy on the mat. Nicest guy on the mat. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I would never interact with that person on on a regular basis. There's no reason for me to be interacting with someone. But on a mat, 
why not? You know what I mean? And there's that mutual respect for each other. I don't know. It's just... And it goes to show you that, like, because every single one of us, for the most part, have different tastes in music, in movies, in politics. So true. Like, you know, just anything. We have so many different, different, there are people in different social classes. Different religions. Yes. And it goes to show you that people make these these labels and these identities so much more divisive than they, they need, need to, to be. be right. You're so right. It doesn't matter. When you're on that mat, everybody is just a person. Just We're a just person. people. It doesn't matter how We're much money you have, nope. what car you pulled up nope. with, what you do for regular... Unless you got in a Dobbs car with the three. <laughs> I can't wait to have him on the show. I can't wait to have him on the show. But it just goes like, it It doesn't matter. It so doesn't true. matter. I might have never been friends with these people because of different stereotypes that we all have of each other. You're right. You're right. You know? It's like a, a huge missed opportunity if you didn't, if you weren't on that map. The stereo, like the stereotypes are real. They're we really all right. have them. I have them with black people from the hood because I'm not from the hood. You're so right. But, the same you thing. know, I've also been friends with a lot of people from the hood. Like you... You have, like, even though you know people from the hood, you still have those stereotypes. You and then do. you have the stereotypes of people in the backwoods of, like, you know, white people in the backwoods of whatever so rural countries. 100%. Um, and you're point. just like, you meet these people and you're like, dude, like, yeah, we've got our differences. And yeah, like, you might be a little bit eccentric or whatever. I'm weird. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, it's but right. We're all we like, can all get along and have fun and have a good time. Like, we don't, like, that's why it's just it just baffles me how, you know, a lot of people just find ways to argue about different things. Like, you need to respect me because I'm this. Dude, I don't care what you are. It's so true. I really don't care what you are. If you're a good person, that's all that you're matters. good. That's all that matters. That's it. I don't really, like, you can come out to me and say you're gay, but I don't care either way if you are. You're so, it's, it's you're, you're 100% true they, about that. You're 100% right. I love, I love that about the math. I love that. You look around. There's kids in there that I'm 37 years 37 years old. There's Which kids in there. You don't even look like it because you know black don't crack. And plus I'm Jamaican. <laughs> True. <laughs> <But> it, um. <laughs> Frost. <laughs> You're killing me. You're killing me. I totally forgot. Oh, so I'm rolling around the mat with 20 year olds, 19 year olds. Some of them are kicking my ass, and it's like. If Someone we weren't here, kicking their ass. True, true. But if we weren't here, I would never meet that person. We would never interact. I would never. I would never know that there's a 20 year old walking around that could mess me up. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's good. It's humbling, but at the same time, it's like like you were saying. It's it's kind of disappointing because I think the world should be like that. And then it when, should. And when you see it on a mat. And the environment that you see it on. You see that it works. You see that it works. You see... Why doesn't it work anywhere else? It's a strange thing. And I think a part of it is because um, of the people that we have in control, the leaders that we have in control. Mm -hmm. They don't want it to work. They don't. Because if you look at... You um, don't make money. You don't make money. (laughs) But Professor Secor, when you look at the control he has in that room, when everyone's rolling, he's seeing everything. When someone is acting up, he sees that and he squashes it right away. Um, he controls the egos like you wouldn't believe. You oh, know what yeah. I mean? oh and yeah. It's in it's it's refreshing because you see the results of it. But it's disappointing because you're like, it needs to be bigger than just 
the, these mats that we're rolling around on. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't think it ever will be unless more people start doing jujitsu. It's funny because I've had this theory for like ever in my life that, um, whatchamacallit, you know, people are like, that'll never work because of X, Y, and Z. And that's why we don't do it. Well, what if we just had the opposite mentality? Mm. You know? Yeah. Because two people have the, oh, this will work. And then you have 20 people who are like, oh, that'll never work. And mm-hmm. then you're right. That'll never work. That'll and then that'll work. never work. What if those 20 people had the mentality of, hey, that will work. We'd probably be on a, you know, way to making things a reality. True. Um, but it starts with your mentality. It does. hundred percent. And negative mentalities, they are like a seed. It's like inception. Once that I, you put that idea in there, it just grows and it's watered by all the negative little potters out there mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and and then you just like you just you know you have people who aren't willing to do anything and they're only thinking about themselves um and that's one thing that I think that's going on in these generations which I can understand because of like how the economy is mm-hmm. but like let's go back to slavery for instance you had a group of people who yeah they wanted to be free but they were also doing what they had to do to make sure generations down the line, people they never met, wouldn't be in this situation. That's very true. That's a good point. Like, they were point. thinking about people who they were never going to, to meet. meet having a better life than the one that they had. Mm-hmm. We don't think about no, that. No, we don't. We don't. Or we're, maybe we're not spoiled. on a large scale. We're spoiled to a certain degree. Like, even all those billionaires, the Rockefellers, the Johnson & Johnsons, the freaking, like, even Trumps or whatever. Yeah. They, that was established at that point, but it got bigger over time. That's true. They were able to pass that down through generations. They, didn't, they were never going to meet those those people. That's true. But they thought about them. Yeah. They were selfless to a certain degree. To even a certain though, degree. <laughs> yeah. But, and even though the conditions that they were living in were terrible, they were still saying, well, you know what? Maybe I can do something to impact. My kids and my kids' yeah. kids and my kids' kids' kids. That's true. We don't... We're, we... I think society, to a certain degree, we're losing a lot of the things that we were working for. Yeah. We want short-term gratification. Yeah. And I think society is also, whatever this word society means, but they're building it around short-term gratification. Everything is short-term. 15 minutes of fame. That's it. But But people's 15 minutes of fame is becoming extended. Yeah, it is. It is. It most definitely is. The more garbage it is, too, the longer it gets extended. Oh, catch me outside. Oh, <laughs> how crazy was that dude I heard she's a millionaire I really hope that's not true it probably is it probably is cause that's just how we work now like it's I just uh, <laughs> so many things and uh, one thing that really makes me upset is the glorification of these video vixens strippers um, just women who get famous by using their body like sex tapes and stuff like that yeah, because it's easy it's easy and it's it's counterproductive tremendous yeah we course. sit here and say the one thing that that always baffled me is we sit here and say um yeah i'm a woman and feminism and blah 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 and i'm taking back control of my body mm. and doing the same thing with it that a man would do you're exploiting it the same way that a man would exploit it, except you're the one who's doing it. He's still getting what he wants out of it. It's like using the N-word and yeah. saying, I'm reclaiming the N-word, no, which everybody knows you can't do. You it's can't. just 
you just you shouldn't needs. call yourself the n-word yeah. just like you shouldn't as a woman call yourself a bitch right like there are just so many things wrong <laughs> about that right and it just people just take it and run with it in whatever direction they want and if yeah. they have two supporters then they have a movement you know yeah like it's look at Janelle Monet. she wears white and black and she's always covered up and she does that she said she did that to show girls that you have another option yeah cause I don't like it I mean me maybe because I'm a little bit older but for example and this might go past your point but for me certain things should be sacred um for example, Victoria's Secrets. I remember growing up when I was looking at Victoria's Secrets. That was something adults did. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is that if your dad came home and mom was wearing Victoria's Secrets, that means you had to go in your room and shut the door. Turn up the music. Turn up the music <laughs> and be good. And if dad brought Victoria's Secrets home for mom, then you know to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. It just had that, that like, this is adult stuff. And when you yeah. get to an adult, you can do this stuff. And now they've just watered it down to... To the point where I think young girls are wearing inappropriate stuff way too soon. Um, Victoria's Secret stuff to a certain degree. And it's like there's not that line anymore. You know what I mean? Like that mm-hmm. line has been erased where it's like, oh, you, you're you're this young so you can do this. You can, do, But you're this old so you can do that. It's, it's just, it's gone. These little girls are dressing like grown up women right now. And I was dressed in frumpy, dream, frumpy jeans, payless shoes. That's what I'm talking about. Overalls, like. That's what I'm talking about. And it's baggy not, sweaters. The scary part about it is not the girl, the young girls dressing themselves. It's the the person, men looking at them. The men looking at them, which or is terrible. Or even the women, older women. Older women and the older women that are dressing the girls like that, because they're the ones that are buying the clothes. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? They're the ones that are walking them into Victoria's Secrets and buying the things that they're buying for them. I get it. Maybe I'm old school, but I I think that tradition is being lost and I think that's an example of some of the tradition maybe it's an old tradition maybe it's not a good example but it shows that there's these lines in society that we used to have that they're just being wiped away but then everybody's like well you know we should be able to do whatever we want with our our bodies we should be able to we do this be. and the fourth but I'm like what happened to discipline exactly they don't that's showing you have a lack of discipline. Why should up. you be able to do whatever you want? Next, we're going to be like, well, I should be able to kill him because he pissed me off. It's true. No. Yeah, no, but that's the where we're going. <laughs> that's, that's the direction that we're like, going. And I know no that's an extreme it. example, but it's, it's a, you, it's a good you have to have discipline. Yeah, you do. You, you do. have to. Like People are like, I want to be able to drink as much as I want. Well, hey, if you drink as much as you want, your body's going to give out give on up. you. It's true. Like, it's true. I think the other part Everything of this in consequences moderation. is people don't understand consequences anymore because there really aren't any, you know? There to aren't. a certain degree, to a certain degree. I mean, degree. you go to jail, but yeah, some people can even bypass that option. It's true. Um, so it's just, it, I don't, because, you know, yeah, when it comes to like reproductive rights, I think, you know, women should have this say. I agree. Um, I agree with that. Because like you don't, like, Men, you, how can you guys tell us what to do with our bodies That's when true. you don't understand what it's like? It's your, I'm not you even going to go there because you're, you're 100% right. Like, guys want to be like, oh, women can't have birth control. Like, I'm not on birth control. Um, Like, I don't, I'm just like weird about stuff like that because mm-hmm. I don't know what it does to your body. I you're feel right. like you should have your period all mm-hmm. the time. Um, But people do that to you know for family planning Mm -hmm. they do women get birth control I remember my doctor was like you know if you're having like irregular periods or whatever you should uh, 
you can use birth control to regulate it. Like women right. use birth control to regulate their periods. Yes, yep. Um, it's not just like a, I was having too much sex, so I'm gonna go. No, <laughs> you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, but in that, like, but on the other end of it, no, like you. I mean, you should clothe yourself. You know? No, I told you. Because what are you doing that for? Yeah, that attention that you don't want, right? You said, like, you want it from somebody. You just may not want it from the people who you're getting getting it from. from. But, like, let's think about the reason why you're really dressing like that. It's true. Because when you're sitting at home, if it was really for you, you'd be dressed like that all day. That's such a good point. I know when I go home, I love wearing either, like, baggy sweatpants. Mm Mm-hmm. Or, um, such a good point, you know, but I mean, I mean, some people like walking around their house naked. Yeah, you're right. Um, You're right. But you're not dressing up the way they're dressing up sitting around your house all day. You're right. You would if it was really for you not to look good for somebody else. Mm -hmm. Someone else to notice. Yeah. And that's the confusing part because what you said earlier, it's like a lot of people will dress up and they're doing it to get attention. But then as soon as they get the attention that they don't want from the person that they don't want it from, it's a problem and it becomes a person that's giving them the attention's problem. But isn't fair because, like you said, you're leaving or you're dressing guys to, you're dressing to entice a reaction. Mm-hmm. And when you get the reaction that you don't want, well, it's the reaction you want just from the wrong person, it becomes that person's fault, which I think is, is a flaw. Yeah. You know what I mean? And there's, there's a difference between you eliciting a reaction that you don't want and then somebody making unwanted physical advances. This is true. This is very true. Because, yes, men are physical creatures. If they see something, you know, of course, they're going to think certain things and they might even say something because not all guys were trained properly by their parents. Yeah, by their moms. But under no circumstances should a guy ever, no matter if a girl, even if a girl's walking butt naked naked down the street, you leave her alone. You do not touch her. You don't have you don't have the right to insert your penis in her. Like yeah. nothing. No, you're a hundred percent. And I didn't realize how much like there's this big groping epidemic going on in the city, where women are just like if they're in a crowded place, men are just groping them, and it's it's disturbing, especially for someone that wants to be a parent that could possibly have a girl walking around. That there's men out there that do that. Exactly. That even think that that's okay. When those same men might have wives and daughters. Exactly. And I'm sure a lot of them do. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's why I advocate strongly for women to get into jujitsu. Yeah. Because while, yes, we should be raising our sons to be upstanding male citizens, the reality is that right right now, at this present moment, not all of them are. Yeah. So you need to do something to protect yourself. You're right. You're right. And jujitsu is probably one of the best forms. So I'm going to challenge you, though, because there's a lot of people, even my wife talked to me about jiu-jitsu, and I think I got a solution for it. But what about the people that don't necessarily want to go? Jiu-jitsu is not for everybody, like we said, right? Mm. Because uh, some of them are just not. Jiu-jitsu is for everyone, but not everybody can handle jiu-jitsu. Bingo. That's, thank you for that correction. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's brilliant. It's true. But what about those people that they just want to learn how to defend themselves? They don't want to make the long-term commitment that we've made or... They don't want to um, sacrifice something getting broken or they don't have the time to go for the hours that we do. 
do you, do you, what, what should they do? What do you think? Just take um, a self-defense class or what do you think? You can take a self-defense class. You can get a private with the instructor, which might be more pricey because you're doing an hour of just working with them and you may be able to work something out since you only want self-defense. Mm-hmm. Um, you can take your first class, find somebody who you mesh well with and ask them if, you know, on the days you come, they'll be your partner and that you can roll with them. That's true. Um, but the thing about self-defense is you can't just, you can't go learn a move and never practice it. Right. It'll never work live. Right. The only reason people are able to do certain moves live on a street in a way that they can protect themselves and not get hurt is because they've drilled it over and over and over in a live um, protected, protected environment. environment. Right. That's true. Even Demetrius Johnson, did you see that arm bar that he caught? Mm-mm. There was it was an amazing arm bar. He actually threw the person up and um, like did a hip toss while the person was up in the air. He he took his, his I don't know. He just converted his leg over it, and when he dropped, they were basically already in the arm bar. And he tapped him that way. <laughs> helicopter Everyone, arm bar? No, it was even it was even more badass than a helicopter arm bar. Wait, they were in mount? No, they were standing. Oh, they were standing. And he was behind him, and he just like. Kicked it, kicked his body out, like hip tossed him. He went up in the air, and while he was in the air, he just crossed his leg right over his shoulder. When they landed, he wasn't there in the arm bar. Yo, I need to see that. Yeah, it was dope. <laughs> it was definitely dope. Um, so when he did that, it, uh, everyone was like, "Oh my god, that was the best move ever! Oh my god, he did the best move ever! I can't believe he just did that on the fly. That was unbelievable. He did that on the fly." But on the side, Mike. You could hear them talking to his coach, and his coach was like, that was brilliant. That was one of the most impressive stops ever. He's like, we practiced that. We've drilled that a thousand times. Yeah. You know what I mean? We've drilled that a thousand times. And Don't that's fear what the was. man who knows 10,000 kicks. Fear the man who's yeah. done 10,000, or one kick 10,000 10, times. times. It's so true. So you're right with the whole defense, like the self-defense the, That's the, you know, are you willing to make yourself uncomfortable? Because to defend yourself, you have to be willing to put yourselves in a scenario you might be put in. Mm out on the street but better in a protected environment than just figuring it out like right. you were saying out on the street on the street exactly if I would learn what a triangle feels like or what any of those chokes feel like in the street in front of my wife or a friend I would suck that's it's terrifying so once you find in an, an environment where it can happen you can get them to stop while they're doing it you can turn around and say what was that <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean it's a yeah. lot safer a lot more beneficial as oh, opposed yeah. to fine you gonna learn today Oh, yeah. Do you have any roles that really stick out in your head? Like, any roles that you went through? Like, I remember the role that really sticks out in my head was one with Wade. Where we were going back and forth, and I think he tapped me once. No, I think we tapped each other both twice. Which, you know, when you're rolling with people, usually you don't get something so evenly matched. Yeah. But it was a super it was super exciting because, one, we didn't know. Both of us barely knew what we were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a little bit more technique. I had a little bit more strength. So we kind of even each other out there. And it was just back and forth. He would do something, I'd capitalize, I'd get him. Mm-hmm. Same thing. I would do something, go back, capitalize. And that's when I realized the difference between technique. Well, I realized technique beats speed and strength all the time. Oh, yeah. Because he did, even though I was stronger than him, um, his technique was so much better that it made it made that difference up so quickly. You mm-hmm. know? And towards the end, that strength started working against me because, you know, unless you have an insane gas tank, you're going to dilute your energy drains throughout the roll. So at the end, that strength was completely negated. And that's when he started catching up with the taps. But I'll never forget that roll only because it taught me that 
you need to learn technique. Oh, yeah. You're going to be in trouble, especially if you, what I've experienced is there are people out there that are a lot stronger than me. And when you're going up against someone that's a lot stronger than you and they have to, you, it's, you feel oh, like yeah. a leaf in a storm, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, I would say two people that I've rolled with stick out in my head. Um, just because the roles that I have with them just flow. Oh, really? They just flow so well. Um, one is, his name is Logan. He was from my old gym. He's a purple belt. Um, he used to be an army ranger. Mm-hmm. And he's one of those, like, charismatic guys who just, you love being around. His oh, aura, really? his vibe is just, it's so intoxicating. Like, you just want him to be your best friend. Oh, wow. Um, and he, every time I roll with him, it's always a good roll. Now, he usually gets me in a baseball bat choke or a twister. <laughs> but still. But um, it's just always great rolling with him because even though he's, like, demolished me, I still felt like I moved a lot and I was able to work on a lot and transition a lot, mm-hmm. you know? Um, another good role that I, I love, another person I love rolling with is Victor. Okay. Um, he's a beast. He's such a beast. He's a beast. I love, and maybe it's because he's a wrestler. I love mm. the way we flow. Right. Um, maybe it's because he's like constantly disconnecting and he then does. connecting again. But he does that a lot. I just, it's, it's a good role yeah. because I am working on things. Cause you know, sometimes you roll with somebody and they might stop moving because they're thinking too much. And it's, yeah. Or they're just laying on top of you because they don't want you to move, but they don't necessarily know where to go next. That's true, too. Um, That's or they true. don't want to give you an inch. Mm-hmm. But Victor, because he's, it's, you know, he's drilled a lot and he, um, I'd say he's pretty confident in his jujitsu. Oh, yeah. He doesn't care about the positions he puts himself in. That's true. He'll um, almost put himself in a bad situation just so he can get out of it. Yeah. Yeah, and he's very much like doing you know, it. like Matt. Exactly. And I love. That's very true. It's it, I love rolling with guys who flow well like that. Right. You know, they just not that they're constantly moving, which he kind of is, but it's hard to explain. You know, you just you roll and you're allowed to work a lot of things because the positions that they go into so now you're in a new position that you haven't really been in but now you can work, work. other moves that you you'd seen before but you'd never been able to work because you'd never been put in that position because right, the person right, wasn't right. moving like that right you right, know? right that's true that's every true. role you can't you can't uh, you don't know what position you're gonna be put in you that's can't true. dictate it some people you know which way they're gonna go you know you're gonna get in this position with them um, and while that's good so you can keep working those mm-hmm. same areas yeah. But it's nice to work new things. Right, 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 um, right. So, yeah, I'd say Logan and Victor are two people who I just love rolling with that because they push me during the roll, and it's such a good flow. It is. It's such a good flow. It's true, it's true. Yeah, you know, Victor's a... He, He's just something else. Like it's their mentalities. It's too. his mentality is different. I they'll remember... They'll go, 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 They'll go. go, and he also has this killer winning instinct in him where... Like second place is just not good enough for him. Nope. And the thing is, is there's Same a lot with of people. Judd. It's true. No, no, it's true. And, but you know, there's. I like being around those people. The it's, the real it's ones. Silent. It's, it's silence. Yeah. They don't say anything about it. No, they it's don't. Just, you just see it. You yeah. see it. You see it. But those people help you build character too. The real ones, because there's people out there that just feel like they should win at everything mm-hmm. because they are entitled. 
yeah. and then it just brats about it. Mm-hmm. And then um, there are people who put in the work, who never make excuses, who are who who they're not outward about even when they do win. I didn't even know Judd and Victor won yeah. until after like, the tournament was some, all of a sudden. Yeah. Someone probably told someone else probably told I you. I went up to Judd because Judd was just standing there and he's not you know not really he's just watching he's asking how everybody else and I'm like how'd you do he's like oh, I won yeah I was like what but if they lose <laughs> if they lose you know not because they're going around it's because they're silent because they're, they're silent and they're focused yeah I remember I said I said, Victor the um, the Naga the Naga he was just quiet. I'm like, what is wrong <laughs> more quiet with you? Than usual. <laughs> yeah, way more quiet than usual. So that's how you know something's off because there's quiet and then there's way quiet. Yeah. So I'm like, what's going on? He showed me the medal. I'm like, you got a medal? He's like, it's silver. <laughs> Yo, I love that. He didn't have to say anything else. He's like, it's silver. That's it. And I was just like, I will let you be. So then, like, two hours later, I walked over to him and I was like, Victor, how you feel? He just looked up at me. It's I silver. That <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just nodding his head. It's silver. <laughs> so the next day in practice, because he was there the next day, he went twice as hard. And I began to realize... Yeah, we were all there that next day. We all, we all were. And uh, I just realized that something else is driving him. You know what I mean? And it's not an ego. It's not like, you know, he feels entitled. It's like he puts the work in so that, when, so that he doesn't feel that feeling of being second. Yeah. And when he feels it, he knows because he holds himself on such a higher level of accountability. It's because of something he didn't do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because he knows he's good enough to be the best. So if he's not, then what went wrong? And it's they're so into themselves and so accountable that they realize that whatever it is, it's me. So I just got to work harder. I got to do more. And let's get to that instead of dwelling over this loss that I took. Yeah. It's inspiring. He to doesn't see feel that. sorry for himself. No, That's one absolutely thing. not. And you he said doesn't it today. Feel sorry. He's like, what what am what am I gonna do to get better? And he <laughs> comes in and he shows you because he's doing the work. I've never seen him leave with a dry shirt. There's, nope. He's always soaking. He's always soaking he's wet. Soaking. And he always looks like he's on a mission. I know. You understand? Like some like when I'm ninety percent of people when they're walking out of the gym at a training session, they'll go into the gym, get their bag, come out Put their bed down, fistle around, say this, say that to someone, say, walk another five feet, put their bed down, say something, say, and then you get out. It usually takes people 10 minutes to leave. Yeah. Victor walks in, goes in the back, he, then he's like changed like Superman. I'm sure he just snaps his finger. Yeah, and then, then he comes back out, like he didn't even mention, like, how'd you get those clothes on so fast? And then when he's leaving, it's the same thing, boom, and he's gone, bye. Yep. That's like, it. Okay. I don't even think he puts his shoes on. I mean, he's just gone. That man's on a mission. Then that's it, like, and he's gone. He's like, I'm here. No, I'm not. Strictly for jujitsu. That's it, and he's focused. Oh yeah, and, and he's I'm, not a jerk, and he nope. works with everybody. He uh, he, I've he is seen a smart him. ass. He is a smart. Now ass. that I've started, because like he's gotten a little bit more comfortable, so <laughs> so like we'll talk occasionally. He says these things. It's like, oh, you are, oh, you are slick with the mouth. But that's he's he's a protege, so he's getting that from someone. <laughs> but I think that's just who he is. He's really? like he's like that's why I don't talk a lot. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. I, I really like him, man. It's really fun. Like he's a good dude. He really is. He's a is. really good dude. He really is. Um, oh, and he's got a lot of balance, and, and just the way he he approaches life and his training and mm-hmm. his life outside of the gym. Like he's I'm really, like, I really respectful. Really want you to be a fighter because I know you mop the floor with so many people just with your work ethic. His cardio is ridiculous. Oh, I've seen it. He's got it, an endless tank. He's one of those people that if when you're rolling with them, there's people that stay at. Like, um, they'll go all the way up to a 10 and then they'll fade down to like a 9. He goes up to a 10 and then goes to a 10 and a half and then shoots to a 15. And then comes <laughs> back down to a 10. You're so right. That's exactly him. 
and he'll he'll it no fade whatsoever, and he's just what waiting for you to fade even more so he can put it on you even more. Yeah, he like, he like feels you fading. Oh, but it helps. We heard a knock, right? Yeah. I think that's Sherwin. But it helps Derek. push you. Okay. Sherwin's there. Are we stopping? <laughs> Wait, but we got we got to get this to a good point. Yeah. We can't, we can't oh, just we can't oh, just oh, like yo. tell you this because he's too modest but he's significantly improved in a very short amount of time like it's just really admirable how much he's gotten better you be cracking me up Ed Sherman yeah I was talking to the mic can you smoke in here yo we are still recording (laughs) yeah you can smoke e-cigarettes E6. I'm still talking, Melty. I know you are. Yep, you just gonna have a whole bunch of stuff to listen to. I shut that door. Oh, it's warm in here? It is? I was a little cold. <laughs> like being warm? I do like being warm. Oh, yeah, we gotta wrap it up. Yo, how long have we been talking? 200, two, two hours and 17 minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's fun, man. Yo, it's so much fun. I gotta. I'm gonna have to edit been, all this out. We've been literally talking about everything. I still got more to talk about. <laughs> we'll do another show. We'll do another show. Hey. Well, all right, Jesus. Well, it's been a pleasure. You know, it was fun. So you're gonna you're gonna be coming back for sure, right? Of course. So when you come back, let's set a goal, though. What's let's the goal, goal gonna be? For, a jujitsu goal. So what if I want to have you come back in about a month? Okay. Stay focused. Oh, sorry. I yeah. want you to come back. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Always giving me goals. So what? Do, what's the goal for you? Um. Hmm. I want to have a move. I don't know what move it's gonna be yet. That I can hit on everybody in the gym. Maybe not everybody because I'm not gonna be able to hit it like Matt and maybe not Chad. Mm-hmm. Mm. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't limit myself. So don't let me hear something. All right. So let me just say, I'm going to have a move that I can hit on majority. Sorry? Yeah, good job. Thank you. I appreciate that. Majority of, if not everybody in the gym. Oh, really? Yeah. What about that goal you were saying for the um, the no-gi that's coming up for California? Oh, no-gi worlds? Yeah. Um, if I go to no-gi worlds, I want to win it. Bring home gold. But there was a weight goal that you wanted to set. Oh, getting down to 179, I believe. If there's anybody in that way, and I'm at 191 right now, so I know that's doable. Um, no, actually, it might be 170. It might be 158 and 170. I have to see, and then I'll get back to you, but whatever that weight is, I'm going to get down to it. 180. One, let's, say, let's say 175. 175? Yeah, let's say 175. So, 175 by the of January. By, hopefully, the end of December. All right. That's the goal. Let's rock it, then. All right. What's your goal? Damn, you weren't supposed to do that. Oh, flipped it on you. Oh, Snake my goal ya. is my goal is to get back up to 210. What 210 right pounds. I'm 192. 
Jeez. Yeah, I got to get back up. That right. that and walking ammonia really messed me up. Oh yeah, two ten it is. And what's your next competition goal? My next competition is to compete again before the end of the year. Before December is over. Yeah, before December is over. All right, let's get it done. Let's get it cracking. Thanks for being on the show. It was a pleasure. And I look Thank forward to having you, you for again. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Multi built ball. What's, what's good? good? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs>